Ladies and gentlemen, I come to you today afraid. I am being threatened to do the intro of this podcast. Following our last episode on Discord at around 5.20 Mountain Standard Time, Pirate Kong sent me a threat that in regards to sudden improvisation, and I quote, you are at risk of this happening every time he does an intro to a podcast in the future. And following my horrified response to that threat, it's very simple. You just have to introduce every podcast. So now, dear viewers, I am here today. A metaphorical gun to my head, held by a funky gorilla with sunglasses that's also a police officer for some reason, introducing this podcast out of fear my, what might happen otherwise. Hi guys, welcome to Design Dork's Gaiden. <laughs> my name is Pyrrhic Kong. Uh, I'm one of your happy-go-lucky co-hosts, and with me is... The Duke, who now has to pretend to be happy and not scared for his life. Friendship is the ship that makes us work. It's a ship of Theseus, but it's getting us to where we need to go. <laughs> oh, which is thematic of this entire last several months with what we've been doing. Yeah, uh, now that we can say that, Surprise! I'm talking about Donkey Kong! Donkey Kong December! Let the festivities finally commence! Yeah. How are you enjoying it so far? I don't know what videos are up except for a couple right now. It, it should be good. You might have seen one of the ones I've made already. I don't know. I yeah. don't know the schedule. Has Donkey cancelled me yet? Who Please knows? Please do. That would be so much free marketing. Oh my gosh, the exposure alone. Yeah, you finally know what we've been talking about, just dancing around the subject for like the last five months? I think yeah. it was July when we had the idea? Yeah, I know, I started in July and roped everyone in during that time, started work fully on it in August. Guys, it's been a lot of writing. A lot of writing, a lot of editing, a lot of reaching out to different people. This has been mm -hmm. the the biggest project with like the most amount of creators I've been part of. Just like most most moving cogs, and it's it feels good finally seeing all of that come to fruition. Absolutely, I. It, it's weird for me just being the director of the project, being as sort of like a feeling of okay, I have to see all the pieces come together, or else I will die. But like for you, who is like has a more specialized responsibility in the project, how does it feel just watching other parts get assembled of the machine? You know, it, it's it's genuinely fun. I, I like just seeing how different people, like, tackle the same subjects. Like, that's kind of just a lot of what designing for is right now. Just, like, between seeing my work versus author man's work versus Goom's work, that's just neat to see. But yeah. seeing it condensed over, like, such similar subjects, just watching all the puzzle pieces fall into place, it, it's simultaneously fun with also just uh, a nugget of pressure in the back of my head that's terrified of being like, okay, okay. I can't be the one that breaks. I need to make sure I get all my stuff done. Let's go, let's Who go, let's go, let's go. Who is in last place right now? <laughs> uh, it's probably still me. No, you're good. Oh, you're really? Good. Okay. Yeah. It definitely was me one month ago. No, I think percentage-wise, you're doing well. I think you're above 66% right now, which is, I think, where most people are at. I mean, at the end of October, I had nothing, and most people had something. <laughs> By most people, you mean Tarvold, but... Well, okay, but Tarvold's just a god. He's built different. He's built different. Subscribe to Tarvold's quest. Sorry, it's Tarvold. Just subscribe to everyone that worked on this, please. Yeah, everyone. I'm doing Super Punch-Out if you do, and the numbers go big enough. I'm not going to say it in every single video. That's up to you. 
This is my blood bargain with you. I also just I'm want holding the little Mac hostage, and I'm not giving another <laughs> ransom note out. Shall we move on to K. Rule Watch? Let's let's let's. That's right. It's King K. Rule. So nothing this month, but it was surprisingly close. <laughs> Nothing you say. I'm looking at a message in Discord of a bootleg, the most horrifying bootleg April plush. Well, actually, no, now I've clicked on it. It's not bad. It's not. But you know what this coincides with? The same bootleggers making a plush of the King Penguin from the Mario movie. Which means that they believe that King K. Rule will be relevant in the upcoming season. Therefore, King K. Rule is relevant. We did it, everyone! No, he... he, he we have upcoming potential relevancy, but that is not the same thing. You can buy a new King K. Rule plush today. With 572 likes on that tweet, I'm not buying it. Yes, you can. You can look at that tweet and go down and go to the eBay page and buy yourself a new King K. Rule plush. You, you can, and, I, and I, I, I hope you celebrate that by preparing to sing by the end of this month. So you don't have much time left. There is a new King K. Rule product, and unprompted, if nothing else happened, if this bet did not exist, I would have put this in the docket. I would have said this was new. It's not official. I'm not buying it. Oh, it does not look meet at the me, Mr. Of Move the, the Goalposts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, no, oh, yeah. Oh, Chris Pratt's voice isn't that I've great. Oh, we haven't heard enough arts. words from him. Oh, he's given kind of a Brooklyn accent. It's fine. I've seen fan art with more likes than that. Come on. Oh, boo-hoo. You bullying the poor King K. Rule fans. But, but, but like, seriously, that Mario trailer was so close. Like, that, that was, was? I, I was legitimately scared when I saw that opening intro with the Coliseum and all the Donkey Kong. It was just a moment of, oh, this is having way more Donkey Kong. And I was thinking, there might be, like, a tease in here. I, I, I was sweating. I was sweating watching that. Well, you should have, because you just lost. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. The comments will Very be with clearly. me on this. Comments, I have no. Agree with me. I'm your friend. You want to keep that friendship, right? I will admit that it's an adorable plushie. If it was official merchandise, I might be with it. Oh, might be. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'll give you just enough wiggle room to go, oh, no, 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 it's just merchandise. No, like, because, like, if it was official merchandise, that would mean they're, like, trying to advertise something. That would be relevant. They are trying to advertise something. This isn't them, though. This is just as much relevancy as it's regular, irregularly is. This is a fan celebrating K. Rule. No, this is someone trying to make money celebrating a character that they think can make money. Let me quickly pull up, what was it, designing for rivalry? What year was that? Which means that K. Roll has always been relevant because he's always had things like that. That's not a fan. This is a pirate. You know what K. Roll is also? A pirate. I mean, technically true. <laughs> So therefore, he is being celebrated by his core fan base. Vote in the comments. Vote in the comments. <laughs> you know what the exciting thing is? If the comments are split, we can both lose. Oh god, please, no. <laughs> Do it! Vote for that one! Tell me what video games you've been playing. 
Oh, what get? Not much. Not much, unfortunately. Like, again, making tons of Donkey Kong videos, I haven't had the time. But I have been able to just kind of slot in various things in my daily, just, routine. Just where I could fit it. Uh, for example, Pokemon Go. I finally fixed my phone. Oh, yeah. I've been, like, regularly playing that right now. And it's just been kind of a delightful thing to just have on in the background. Uh, thanks to my job at a steelyard, I naturally walk around a lot. So it's really easy to hatch a ton of eggs every single day, which feels really, really good. Yes. I love getting those 12-kilometer eggs. I'm so excited to see what they are, only for it to be a Volibee every single goddamn time. Oh, yeah, dude, you don't do the 12k eggs. You do the 10k. The 10k are the good ones. Yeah, but they, they, I might get, like, a... What was, uh, there's one in there that I really, really want. I'm super excited to get. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but... Every time, it's just a Volibee. It's just Volibee. I got a shiny Volibee, even, from it. But it's it just refuses to be anything else but the oh, stupid vulture. Cool. Romantibuzz is good. It's fine, but, like, I want the dragons. It has a lot of dragons. I want the ponyards, the Riolos. Riolos, that was not the right way to pronounce that. Come on, Mandibuzz is better than freaking Bisharp. I like Bisharp. Ugly-ass Metal Man looking. It's neat! It's like samurai armor! I've seen Metal Man! I like Bisharp more than Metal Man. I'll, f I'll throw that out. That That's fair. I like Metal Man EXE more than him, though. I don't know how you look, Metal Man EXE. What is this? We can, we can... But yeah, it's it's been great. Uh, Been a great bonding thing with just my dad and my family. Uh, it's it's really funny going to local parks on, like, community days, seeing all the nerds <laughs> getting together and avoiding eye contact. <laughs> just yes. staying away from each other like the... So, social prodigies we are. It's a fun time. Absolutely. Uh, I also, uh, I haven't been playing this, but just with the recent months, I felt it was noteworthy. I stopped playing multiverses. Like, I know Marvin the Martian was added to that, and he looks neat, but, like, it's just getting too competitive. It's it's the fighting game thing, where as the casual audience slowly dies off and moves on to other things, the people just get super intense with it. You get a lot more teabaggers and taunters. And it's It's just not as... The vibe isn't as fun. This isn't my multiversus anymore. Not the one I knew. <laughs> but no, you're right. And just due to the nature of the game being always online, you don't get that sort of shelf life that you used to with a fighting game where you would just be with your group of friends and you would all improve at the same rate, except for the one that got much better than everyone else. Yeah, everything being online, you kind of just... There's the occasional match like that, but... There's so many, so many artificial stakes. Yeah, and I, I just don't like, you know, needing to do things and having specific objectives for your weeklies for a game like this. Yeah, I, I don't like homework to play a game. Yes. Well, it just ruins the ability to have good matches because everyone is trying to get three up specials with Wonder Woman or whatever the hell. Oh, God, there's some really alpha ones, like Reflector Projectile with Wonder Woman. Oh, Yeah. Or just kill someone with Shaggy Sandwich. I mean, you need things that specific. That just, it, it spoils the fun because then people are, your teammate isn't trying to help you. They're trying to do that specific thing. Yeah. I wonder if they can curtail it to, like, have a specific pass for you are a main of this character. Because I think doing it broadly through the whole cast does not work. It, not really. Like, you can re-roll them, but, like, that doesn't feel good because it costs currency. The Still a fun game. I still love the designs behind it, but like I've stopped playing and probably won't go back for a while. Yeah, I get that. Uh, that's all—that's the only small stuff. I've still been playing TFT as well, but like I've talked about that to death. Nothing new's happened. Yeah. No, I've I've only been playing short stuff. And one thing that is all enveloping—if you guys 
hang on, because if you didn't want to hear about Xenoblade, God, this is the wrong place for you right now. <laughs> anyway, short of things, uh, I played Super Mario Kart. I hate that game. It's bad. Well, why so? I never got around to the SNES version of it. Okay, so imagine F-Zero, but you made it worse, and it came out a year later. But it has multiplayer, so no one cares. Like, it is shocking how poorly made Super Mario Kart is, and how much it has to sacrifice in order to allow for the multiplayer to actually sort of function. It is an idea, but to me... Super Mario Kart is the Street Fighter 1 of the Mario Kart series. That's a good comparison. I like that. And I, I know Street Fighter 1 was a single-player game, and then Super Mario Kart actually has multiplayer, but shut up. It's it's a novelty. It, it works. It works. And it's an idea, but people saying, like, oh, no, it's the classic. I grew up with it back in 1907. I was the Donkey Kong Jr. He's never been back, you know. Shut up. You've never played tour. No. It's just intensely unfun to play. Mario Kart Super Circuit introduces all of its tracks as unlockable tracks later, so there's no reason to play it unless you are a huge Donkey Kong Jr. mark. The way that the AI works is really awkwardly implemented, um, because they couldn't quite program it right, so in order to make it work, um, they have the unique ability to jump over any obstacle. What? So bananas do not work. What? Uh, they also don't interact with items, so instead they have an infinite amount of their own personal items, some of which you cannot get. Huh. So, like, they'll get bob and you just won't, or something like that? Uh, they will get a shrinky mushroom, and you are unable to. Only Peach and Toad, though. Bowser has a fireball that sways back and forth, and it is annoying, Mario and Luigi have infinite starmen. I would love just when their to AI know, feels like it. Like the design thought process behind that. Yeah. That just doesn't but, sound good. Yeah. Donkey Kong Jr. has bananas though. He's fair. Um yeah, drifting feels incredibly awkward. It it frustrates me because F Zero came out the year before, and it feels infinitely better to control. And I understand a lot of concessions were taken to make the two-player aspect of Mario Kart actually work, but it's it's just an idea, and none of it is actually fun to me. It's a stiffer, worse version of a much, much better game. I don't feel happy. I think it's worse than Blue's Clues, Blue's Alphabet Book. <laughs> no, yeah. It doesn't I, say I I'm really smart when I win a race. So there we go, guys. Dragon Ball spin-offs games didn't get there. It's Mr. Pants didn't get there. Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Memories did not get there. But let me introduce into the worse than Blue's Clues Club, Super Mario Kart. Uh, I, I wish this podcast was bigger just to see the fallout from that. That would be just glorious to behold. Next month, I dunk on Link to the Past. Oh, hey, hold on. Let, let's let's not go ahead, get ahead of ourselves here. Uh-huh. It is fine. It is. I, I like the randomizer. I've never actually played it regularly well, yeah, to be thinking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah, the randomizer is actually pretty great, but yeah. Anyway, I also played Donkey Kong. No, you played you know, Donkey Kong? But like, right, no, the actual Donkey Kong arcade game. Oh, oh, okay, okay. The the actual game named Donkey Kong. Um, That game's hard. Yeah. Like, the NES version and the version that is included in Donkey Kong 64, which is a, a pr- 
approximate emulation of the arcade version tones it down quite a bit. The aggressiveness that some of these barrel patterns have is actually quite astonishing. Like, there are portions of this where if you stay in the same place, it will make an impossible pattern for you. You will die. You have to keep moving and have to keep anticipating every possible pattern that those barrels might come down in. And that is honestly astonishing how skill-intensive of a game it makes it. Because then the other three screens in Donkey Kong are almost completely consistent. Like, the Pie Factory will never be hard. It is just an easy, easy stage. 75 meters, you might get stalled out on fire sometimes, but 9 times out of 10, it's going to be remarkably consistent. It's just hard to actually do the first time. And the 100 meters is random because it's a lot of randomly spawning fire, but you're able to gather them very easily and hit a ton of them with the hammer. So you can lose there, but I would say it's very much in your favor. But the barrel scene, the easy one that everyone knows, gets exponentially harder with every loop. Fascinating. I wonder if that was intentional due to the, like just how arcade machines work. I mean, I would assume so, but just, damn, that was a difficult one to actually get through. And then, for some reason, I got the same revision where it's like, one, stage one, stage four, stage one, stage three, stage four, stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. What are numbers? They don't mean Exactly. Anything. So I kept getting the barrel scene, and it kept upping in difficulty. I do think that Donkey Kong Jr. is overall a harder product, but... Damn, both of these are a lot harder than I remember them being. And significantly harder than I actually playing them being on any emulated form. But yeah, it's it's a good game. I like it more than Super Mario Kart by quite a bit. <laughs> and that's all the shorter games I've really played the this month. Had had a lot, got very sick as well, so That is unfortunate. It's just going around. Yeah. But in case you guys haven't noticed, I've been doing things. So, forgive me. <laughs> you may go. We have, we have been busy. Uh, Medium-wise, I've only really got two games to bring today. All right. Uh, for, first of which, I needed something. I knew I couldn't spend a lot of time with any games this month for obvious reasons. I needed to finish stuff. So I needed some kind of some kind of junk food, something from my childhood that I really liked. And I love Lord of the Rings, so I decided to go with Lord of the Rings The Third Age. Do you know about this game? Um, no. Um, it is a, essentially a Final Fantasy X clone. I mean, not even essentially, it just is. Uh, After that game came out, um, EA was like, you know what? People like Lord of the Rings, and that game seems to do pretty well. Let's try to do that with Lord of the Rings stuff. So they did that. You know how Final Fantasy X plays? I think think you know how this game plays. I don't know. I've never actually played 10. It's one of the good ones. I'm sure, but not having played it makes me appreciate this game a lot more. I I get that, but like, 10's one of the good ones. And I'm like not saying that as a huge fan of Final Fantasy. I'm saying that as a person who like half of the Final Fantasies bore me. Not 10's one of the good ones. I I believe it. I believe it. Uh, This is one of those games that has just very simple mechanics to it that just get me in all the right places. Uh, stuff like um, every single piece of gear changing your character's appearance. Like a stack increase is already great, like it already feels good, but having that come alongside like a dark blue armor set for your, your dwarf character, that's just, oh, it feels so good. It's my big favorite. It feels lovely. 
Yeah. Uh, also does a cool thing that might have been stolen from Ten, I don't know. Um, they do a thing where the more you use any given ability, the more you unlock more moves from that said ability tree. Like, if you use the elf's basic sword slash ten times, you unlock a sword slash that shatters armor. Use either of those moves 20 times and you unlock a damage over time sword swipe. Use any of those 30 times, etc, etc. It's more similar to Tales of, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 comes, it comes together to create a really enjoyable progression system where even grinding feels good because everything you're doing is making your character stronger and you can constantly visually see their growth. Like, like, like to be clear, this is like a shameless copycat, but like, it feels really good to play. And a big part of that is the abilities, because holy shit does this game go so hard in sound design. <laughs> the director must have asked the audio engineer, like, how loud do you want the sound effects in this game to be? And the engineer just replied, sorry, what? Because you yes. hear him over how loud the sound was. If you have a ranger firing off an arrow, he just doesn't fire an arrow. He takes two seconds to powerfully knock a bow and aim it as white particle effects shoot off the arrow like a sparkler. Um... A massive ethereal symbol appears behind him, and the entire time there's this ridiculously high Nazgul scream screech as he's pulling it back, and just the impact sound after that is like an explosion. It's, it's ridiculous how heavy they went with this. You'll have an orc summon crows as an attack, and he just doesn't do that. He'll hold the staff over his head and scream as the bass-boosted sound of the, of the Krabane, the, the Saruman's crows from the Lord of the Rings movies plays. And that'll just play for a solid five seconds. It almost, like, hurts your ears. But, like, mm -hmm. it does it in a way that makes every single ability and attack in this game feel so impactful. And when you do that and literally knock a troll off its feet, like, that just, that just feels good. I can imagine. Not only is this game just a one-to-one -one copycat of Final Fantasy VII, not the seven ten. it is... Go unashamedly a copycat of the Lord of the Rings films. Like, this is this is just bad fact fanfiction of what if there's another fellowship that's following the fellowship? I love this. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. that's so bad, <laughs> I love it. Featuring party members such as Discount Boromir, Blonde Arwen, Human Legolas, Gimli, but it's actually just Gimli again, Axe Lady, and Charles Martinet. One of the only voice credits <laughs> that Charles Martinet has that isn't involved with Mario is randomly the sixth party member in this game. He is a Rohirrim Spearman, and it's hilarious. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, that's delightful. Yeah, you'll have, like, just ridiculous tie-in moments. Like, you know in Fellowship of the Ring where Pippin knocks over, like, a corpse on a well, and that what that's what alerts the goblins to their location? Yes. Apparently, at the bottom of that well, is this party. Like, they'll be walking along, and all of a sudden, the corpse just falls in, in front of them, and you'll hear Gandalf's voice up to above them going, Full of a talk. <laughs> and, they, oh. and they're the ones that see the Balrog waking up, and they'll follow it there. And actually, they were also there with Gandalf fighting the Balrog. You, you just didn't see it in the movie. There, were, there was a whole RPG turn-based boss battle there, with Fellowship 2. <laughs> I love this Lion King one and a half RPG. It's so stupid, and I love it so much. Like, it's not trying to be the, its own thing. It's constantly, like, reusing jokes and lines from the films. It knows it's a shameless copycat, and it just uses it to be absolutely ridiculous. Good. And uh. the side effect of that means that you- that means you get to have a colossal boss battle against the Balrog. 
with Gandalf as part, one of your party members, and that's just cool. When you get to oh, the siege so of Helm's silly. Deep, you get you like like Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn as your party members, and they're all ridiculously overpowered. The, oh, I the, like this a lot. The most ridiculous. What, what do you think the final boss of this game is? Just, just based on what you saw, what do you think it is? Um. Uh. What what movie does it go up to? Uh, it, it goes through all three. Oh damn. Um. I'm going to guess it's the Witch King, and he wipes your party, and then you get the hope spot at the end. Uh, close, but not quite. The Witch King is the penultimate one. Because okay. the final boss, with no build-up to this whatsoever, one moment you're in the fields outside of Minas Tirith, and then you just go to the... It's, it shows, like, travel to the next area, and it's just Barad-dur, which is the... just Mordor. Right. And the final boss of this game is your tower literally climbing Sauron's tower and fighting his eye. <laughs> it's just a boss battle against a flaming sphere. It's hilarious. Oh, damn. Oh, that is more Final Fantasy X than you know. <laughs> I'm sure. But like it, it, it's it's derivative, it's cheesy, but it knows it is, and it leans into it, and I love it so much. Best part of all of this, they have this um side mode. Just every time you beat like a a level, like you go through this like Moria or Helm's Deep or whatever, and you'll unlock the evil mode version of that area, which lets you ju- it just flips the script and lets you control every single enemy you've been uh, playing like a ga- kind of like a boss battle gauntlet. Oh, shut up! That's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I love when games do this so much. It's so good. Because, like, the only thing that's better than having that colossal battle against the Balrog is getting to be the Balrog. Yes. And every time you do that, you get to unlock unlock evil gear for your characters, which, again, everything changes their appearance. And it's just, it's so cool. Oh, this sounds like a dumb fun game. It is the best dumb fun game. It is is a Lord of the Rings fan's dumb fun game dream. And just, in in a hard month where just, I just, working, working, working. It was the best junk food to go back on. Uh, what else have you been playing this month? Uh, I've been eating some junk food myself. Um, so a big game that was part of my childhood was Tekken 3. First real fighting game that I ever got into, and like as a kid I didn't actually play it much with anyone. Wasn't that good, but I went through those arcade ladders so, so many times, and I adored that. So I wanted to go back and just play some of the classic Tekken games. I played Tekken 1 for about five minutes before it crashed, and it felt really bad. So uh, that was my the end of my experience with Tekken 1. You jump really, really high, and it feels bad. Lovely. From that point, Tekken 2 is insane how much of a leap forward it is. Tekken is just a really, really interesting series because at the start of it, you feel really, really helpless. Because all of your moves have very, very small link windows into each other. You have to basically be inputting them ahead of time in order to get a combo going properly. And it's really hard to get the hang of it. But what I love about Tekken is organically, you discover the one move that works. And you start using the one move that works. And then that move stops working. And then you have to use a new move that works. And then that one stops working. And then you have to use a new one, but sometimes that one doesn't work, so you have to use one of the other ones that worked. And very, very slowly, you start to pick up on the good points of your character 
based on the couple of moves that you can do, and then string them together so you have a natural awareness of spacing. And it is amazing how well Tekken 2 does that, and how much it's able to emphasize just simple kicks. Like, I played as Paul because Paul is the best, and he has an attack that is basically a falcon punch in wind-up, but it does 100% damage if it hits. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it will end the round if it hits. Tekken rounds end in two or three exchanges. And normally, you know, that would be really, really good. But even the basic level AI knows how to jump over it. However, every AI jumps over it in the same way and leaves you in a follow-up opportunity with it as your opponent is usually behind you. So you're able to sort of predict and figure out, okay, when Paul whiffs this move which would feel really good to hit, but he's not going to hit it. What can he do from there? Well, his, um, I think it's his four button. I forget what it is, if it's his left or its right leg, but that's a really, really solid poke when he's crouching. However, he has a different animation for if you hit down and four at the same time, or if you hold down so he gets into his crouch animation and then hit four. So you have a different level of delay and different level of pokes from there. And it was just so much fun learning the basics of Paul all over again, figuring out how to get his hammer fists into proper combos, linking that in, getting to feel just the simplicity of his one-two punch, and then vary it up as I progress through the gauntlet. Uh, that game has absolute bullshit AI. I hate Kazuya now. Ha! <laughs> like, he was boring before, now I hate him and I hope he dies. Because Tekken 2 is mean... Because it has that fighting game AI where if you don't move, the AI will also not move for like five seconds because it is waiting to reach your input. Just taunting you. Oh, I love that. And then eventually it will just run up and grab you for major damage. Because the fun thing about Tekken is you are naturally guarding as long as you are not hitting a button. So therefore, standing still is an entirely viable strategy which they are abusing to the maximum because it is frame zero for them to guard. However, they will always, always, always tech out of throws. And in my experience, it is very hard to tech out of throws. <laughs> Devil Kazuya was very, very mean to me for about two hours. But I punched him in the face, and he is dead. Paul gets to win this one. God, I love Paul. But he has a shorter cost? version of his death punch that does 50% damage and you can combo into it. And I learned that shit and I could only hit it like one out of every 15 times I tried it because Kazuya wouldn't stop fucking blocking. (laughs) Uh, You gotta love that old school fighting game AI of just just the nightmares that ensue there. You you win by luck half the time for those. Yeah, no... I fully understand that there were rounds that I had absolutely no chance to win. And the worst feeling is getting the first round win and then realizing I'm not going to be able to do that again. (laughs) I got to win two out of three. That's not (laughs) happening. (sighs) It delights me how awful Devil Kazuya is and how simple he is because it's just Kazuya's moveset. But also, he has a move where he flies in the air and shoots a laser out of his eye. It it has a very long, very, very long wind-up, but it hits full screen and is unblockable and pierces guard. Ooh. And he also has a standing version of it. You know, just like Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's very, very accurate, except that move is even more bullshit. Imagine if the option was, shield doesn't exist, just don't be there. (laughs) And also, the range was longer, because your mobility is worse. Yeah, yeah. Do you just have to run up or jump over it, or...? Um, yes. The answer to his flying one is you have to run under him, which is the opposite of what you want to do at every other time against him. And the standing one is you just have to duck it, but it is much faster, and it looks like other moves that hit overhead. Mm, okay. So yeah, sometimes you just lose. But I, I appreciate how it's just two moves, and he doesn't stop blocking, and that is enough to sell me that, oh, fuck, this is the devil. And then I played Tekken 3 again, and oh my god, Tekken 3 is so much better. Ha, nice. It is significantly less stiff than Tekken 2. Combos are more freeform. The AI is toned way, way down, and it is much, much easier, so you just get to feel really good most of the time. It has a beat-em-up mode for no reason. I mean, I feel like having to beat up the map mode is enough reason for it to exist. That's just fun. Exactly. Everyone drops PNGs of chicken, and you pick it up like you're in Final Fight, <laughs> and the chicken announcer says, Chicken. Oh, that's amazing. It has a volleyball mode for also no reason. What? Yeah. That fun mini game from Mario Party 4 that was made into a sport, that was made in Tekken 3, actually. They gave Paul, like, 20 more moves? I always hear that Tekken 3 is the best one, and I'm starting to understand why. (laughs) It's dripping with personality. There was an ending in Tekken 2. It was Lee's ending, I believe, where he's training a bunch of students and Paul is in his gym, and Lee's thing is him doing the Bruce Lee backflip kick. Mm -hmm. And Paul tries it and falls on his face, and they make very funny faces. In Tekken 3, Paul has a unique animation not in his move list, where if you hold down, he will prepare to do a backflip, and if you hit a button frame perfectly, he will do the backflip kick, but he will fall on his face taking self-damage. <laughs> this is a completely oh, I hidden love move. things like that. Referencing someone else's ending. And also, Tekken 3 is an expansion on Tekken 2. It's like a 20-year time gap. But Paul is still in it, and he's still the best. But you have a bunch of kids with their own unique flares on various movesets. You have Jin, who is a mixture of Kazumi and Kazuya from the previous game, mixing in their fighting styles together to create a unique one. You have Ogre, who is just the sickest-looking boss. It's just a pillar man from JoJo, and he looks so good, but he's green because he's Shrek. But this was five years before Shrek, so this is Shrek's dad. One of the coolest things that I will always, always remember as a kid was if you went to your memory card and checked, like, the little tiny animation that plays when you check your save file. Oh, yeah, yeah. Instead of saying Tekken 3, it would say 10 fighters left to unlock. Oh, that's sick. Right? Oh, I love that. Every arcade mode you clear unlocks a new character for you. Ugh. It's such a good game. It has a full training mode. With, like, frame data and combo practice. It's it's a game from the future that was somehow like made it. in 97. And it still works, and it's, like, this would be a great throwback fighting game today. No, absolutely. It looks like Tekken 3. Like, it, it, it's polygons as hell. But God, they make it work. God, they get the most out of it. God, they get the most out of character themes. It's... 
uh, it's such a celebratory little game and it's it's fantastic you play it and you just you get why fighting games are so good I, it's I'm a, not very it's a good at them. to hear this but <laughs> like, i've always known the uh, reputation of tekken 3 but i've never heard the like the why like I, you hear that for Street Fighter Two, that's easy to understand. You hear that for Mortal Kombat, that's easy to understand. I've never gotten like the past, like the general gameplay deep dive of how Tekken works. But like hearing just the passion that's put into this series, like that, that needs to be highlighted more. Just in general, people always get hung up on like, oh, look how many moves these characters have. But like, there's there's just some quality here i wish i had a better word for it there's a reason why they have those moves like just to go back to paul because i fucking love paul it's amazing that three different companies were like yeah we're going to make a character based on jean-pierre polnareff from jojo and just decide i'll decide okay there we go but no paul is great but he's generally fairly predictable in how straightforward he is Tekken 3 gives him a move where every character has a dash, either forward or back. Paul's is back, but they gave him one where he does his power punch, but he does it out of his sway, so it naturally combos as a dodge. Ooh. Like, this is an expansion of his moveset and identity so that he is capable of doing more. Like, the reason that they're loaded up with tons and tons and tons of moves is because... First off, they respect the legacy of their moves, and second off, they want you to be able to do everything that you can with this character and not feel horribly limited. See, I I really, really do enjoy this game a whole lot. It is my favorite Tekken by quite a bit. Nostalgia may be talking there, but I also just prefer the simplicity and sort of the grunginess and the attitude of Tekken 3. Tekken 7 is too pristine, and its story mode sucks. I, I wish I could bounce more off of this. I just have absolutely no... My, my biggest exposure to Tekken as an entire franchise is literally Kazuya in Smash. And that's literally it. Characters are so good. You've got Japanese samurai cyborg ninja Robin Hood, who is saving Dr. Boskanovich so that he can rescue a hamster or something. I don't know. <laughs> you have the ancient guardian who is your clone ditto character mokujin who after you beat the game with him has a live action segment of him being depressed and trying to work things out with his wife who then beats him up because he (laughs) instead of going to a job is playing tekken 3 paul beats ogre in the tournament but doesn't know that ogre has a second form so he leaves and no one believes he won and he also gets a speeding ticket Gone, a tiny dinosaur with boxing gloves from a gag manga is just here? Oh my god, yes. This game introduces Panda as a romantic interest for the bear Kuma, who is actually the son of Kuma from the first two games? Because his father died, and he has sworn revenge on his ultimate rival, Paul? (laughs) I think Kuma just might be one of my favorite character inclusions in any fighting game. Yeah. J- j- just whatever Harada was taking at the moment, just be like, you know, let's just throw a bear in the, on the roster. That, that's some chaotic energy that I absolutely adore. Oh, Tekken 2 ups it. It has a kangaroo with boxing gloves. I I, I, I put bear over kangaroo with boxing gloves. That's still boxing yes. gloves. That's some level of, um, oh my gosh, and more anthropomorphic of making it slightly human. Bear is just bear. 
Yes, but did you know that the kangaroo with boxing gloves has a clone character who is a dinosaur with boxing gloves? Of course. They are rivals? Of course. Uh. You've sold me more on Tekken in the last 15 minutes than I have in the last 15 years. It felt so good to play. It sounds so fun. I was so happy that, like, I was like, why do I remember this game? Why do I remember it so fondly? This is why. Oh, my God, I love Tekken. I got one more, but uh, my jaw hurts, so. All right. Uh, I'm sorry, but you're not going to stop here. I I wrote on the docket for our plans of this episode that this game was going to be XCOM 2. Uh, A game I'm sure I'm going to bring at some point, but that was a bold-faced lie. Uh, I finished Live Alive. Okay, yeah, let's talk. Okay, so spoiler warning, we're going to be talking about the ending of Live Alive today. Uh, first, I do need to com- quickly talk about Twilight of Edo, because that was the yep. only other one I hadn't finished. Uh, probably my least favorite one of the bunch. It's ambitious. It's ambitious. I, I, I respect what it's trying to do, but on one hand, trying to scour around for a hundred different people to kill just gets tedious. And on the other, there's, there's just too many complications of trying to figure out what is and isn't, like, doesn't count for a kill. Like, you need a guide to get through it properly for, like, a pacifist run. Yes. And that's that's just messy. I I respect what it's trying to do, but, like, I I got frustrated and just looked it up. No, I get get it. Which is a shame, because I think the Shinobi is actually my most fun to control of all the characters. Like, he sets the ground on fire and heals from that. That's just neat. Yeah. I I think the bonus bosses are worth seeking out in Twilight of Edo. I I think that that's how I would recommend doing the chapter, just doing it however you want, but seeking out the bonus bosses specifically. Mm, Okay, okay. But that that, that was just kind of a a footnote being like, okay, I know there's a post-game to this, and I want to get to that first. Yes. And then you unlock the next chapter of uh, the Middle Ages. Yes. And this is the most, right off the bat, it is the most generic thing you've ever seen. It's just, okay, you're the knight, you... You win the tournament, you get the princess, princess gets kidnapped, you gotta get, build a party to go out and save her. Uh, excuse me, it's the most generic thing you've ever seen, except it is written and voice acted in the Ambic Pentameter. Well, th- there is that, yes, yes, that, that is very, I, I kept waiting for that moment of being like, okay, I know he talked about this, but I haven't seen that in any of these chapters, and that's, oh, the Middle Ages, okay, no, yeah, I get it now. That is, that is genuinely extremely impressive. Yes. But, but like story beats, like you're, it, it is a it is a medieval fantasy RPG through and through. You've got your mage friend. You go off to find the find the hero, get the mentor, find the evil sword that will cr- beat back the darkness. And I caught on pretty quickly that it was generic as hell on purpose. So I rushed to the end just to see what's going on here. And and you get to that end, you see the the statues of previous bosses that you fought before, hinting that there's something more going on. And you fight the evil demon. And it wasn't actually the evil demon. Uh-oh. Yeah. Your, your first mentor hero dies. Your best friend dies as well. You head back. You oh, out, okay, is, what, what are we going to do Hash's next? voice acting there is so good. It's so good. Like, I need to praise this chapter's voice acting because it is so on point from everyone. 100, 100%. I feel like you say that about a lot, like the whole game. But this one in particular. Yes. They really put some thought into this. So you, you go back to the castle. You see the Dark Lord in the in the castle, and I realized it was an illusion the moment after I clicked the attack button. 
Just an amazing moment of, wait, oh shit, I've been duped. The illusion fades, you just murdered the king, you've been framed, oh no. Yeah, I gotta go save the prince, you gotta quote clear your name. And I just... I kept waiting for the story to shift. For the hero to triumph, for everything to go good. And that just doesn't happen. Yeah. I love that so much. Like, I was expecting, like, oh, okay, I see what's going on. It's the, pro it's the friend, it's the mage, he was the lord of the dark. Okay, so now you're gonna, we're gonna have to go beat him, and then, okay, yeah, this is, there's another layer to this. You get to him, and no. He was just jealous, he was in love with the princess. He betrayed you because he wanted to marry her. And he lied to the princess, and she, he, she thought you didn't come for her, so she does a Juliet and just stabs herself. And your character is just there. He's framed for murder, his friend betrayed him, both of his mentors die, his fiancé died. And it just doesn't get better. And he becomes the main villain. Yes. Oh. And that's I love so how good. often it repeats that same mantra of as long as there's someone who believes in you. Again and again and again. And how every single time it gets slowly torn away more and more and more and more. Until you're at the point of like, well, narratively, they would not go this far. They would end it here with the princess. And they do not. I, I, I applaud the gumption to tell a story where everything goes wrong for the hero, and that's just the end. Like, you're, you're just here on a journey, and they die. How did you feel when your silent protagonist spoke? That felt so good. Like, I, I noticed it was kind of odd, being like, okay, this is... It, is it a homage to Dragon Quest, or is it just kind of... But just that moment of when he finally snaps... And having that moment of like, okay, this actually is a character. This isn't a self-insert. He's just, oh, it was so good. Ugh. Orsted is one of my favorite villains. Not just of his era, but just in general. Just, I, I feel it's the first proper Greek tragedy in video games, I feel. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. And then you move on from that. You get a, a shadowy ninth chapter you can choose. And you just get a select screen of all the other party members. Like, I, I knew that was going to happen, because obviously, you're getting stats yes. for them, equipment after you've beaten the game. Obviously, you're going to have, it's like a Avengers Assemble, everyone's coming together. Yes. But my favorite part was seeing the option for Orsted was still there. And it's just, it's, it's, it's the evil mode. You get to play as the bosses, you go against yes. I love that so much. Oh, I... Oh, uh, when you were saying that about Lord of the Rings, I was like, oh, I can't talk about this. I can't say anything, can I? He doesn't know, does he? No, I do know, and it was wonderful. I love it. So few games do that, but it's always the best thing. More playable boss battles, please. God, yes. The great thing that you can do with that is uh, you can actually get your health so low as a boss that the run option comes up. And it is no longer the run option, it is Armageddon, and okay. you can just end time in a secret ending. I love that. Yes. That, that's, that's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, but after doing that and just having a grand old time, I went back, uh, picked an actual character to experience the actual ending of the story. I picked Cube, because obviously, love that's that fair. little robot. I love the mental image of him going around the armory and just decking himself out with a bunch of medieval armor. Yes. I love that uh, anything that any chest that you take as Orsted are o still opened and inaccessible in the uh, Realm of Darkness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just, just so many neat little touches like that. 
Yes. Uh, my end party ended up being Cube and the Sundown Kid. Those were always locks. Just like, yes. no chance otherwise. Uh-huh. Uh, I enjoyed controlling Akira, so I brought him along too. And I wanted a chance to actually use the ninja in combat, so he was my final party member. That is fair. Like, not a lot of physical damage and doubling up pretty hard on healers, but... I mean, it, it, was, it was good. I, I, I did it, like, halfway through hit the RPG point of... I have not grinded enough to get enough stats. I need to grind now. And just kind of losing my interest in the actual gameplay. Like, mm-hmm. I was... It, it happens with most RPGs with me. I get invested in the story and I want to get there, but my level says no. And I usually I either, I'll, like, Persona 4, I turn down the difficulty, or Final Fantasy and I just looked up the ending. I, right. I did push through for this, but I, I, I did still hit the same wall of just being like, okay, I know how this system works. I'm just pressing buttons now. Mm-hmm. That, that's more JRPGs than Live Alive itself. I, I feel differently for Live Alive, just because at that point, it becomes a Breath of the Wild, essentially, in 94, where you have your end goal, you can go to it whenever, but also all of this other shit, though? I got bored and just went for the end. I'm sorry. I I, I understood what they were trying to do with all the different dungeons. Like I, mm-hmm. They were each themed after each specific... <laughs> Specific character. Did you at least do cubes? I didn't. Oh, I'm but sorry. there's no combat. It's oh, all really? puzzles. Damn yeah. It. Okay, that's on me. I I I started going like halfway through. Um. Uh, oh, what, what's the caveman? The caveman's one. Oh, Pogo's, Just realizing, yeah. like, yeah. If I do one of these, I'm gonna feel the need to do all of them, and I don't want to just go around and keep recruiting people separately. This is gonna take forever. I just want to go to the end, which I'm regretting now because cube sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Akira's you actually can't access unless you flee with him in battle and he teleports. No, I accidentally he'll... did that, and he's yes. just like, nope, no thank you, I want to go to the end. <laughs> yeah, but you get- But I love to... that touch, I love that touch. But you get to read the memories of all the dead people, including the princess. Oh, god damn it! And ah. Strabo. Okay, yeah. And there's the giant catfish that has the knowledge of the world inside the caveman's dungeon. Who is also a bonus boss? There are six bonus bosses in there. I I did not realize how deep the dungeons were. I thought that was just like, oh, here's a little, here's a little trial. I I, I was thinking too much of like, okay, this is a really old game. I don't think there's gonna be much in here. I just no, want to and the all end of, the of story. them have their ultimate weapons at the end. Uh, I was I had enough healing that it, the fights took a long time, but I got through all of them. I I get that. And then the bonus bosses give you equipment that prevents petrification, which helps in that last area. <laughs> yeah. But I did eventually hit the ending. I laughed out loud seeing the- just- it- flowy. Just yep. flowy. That, that was like, oh, okay, that's where that came- that was- that was great. And I love that after that you get the cho- choice to save or spare Orstrid. Like, disregarding the obvious parallels, I think those sorts of options are some of the best to include- in really any video game. Like, that's yes. something wholly unique to video games as a storytelling medium. It mm-hmm. lets you just explore what could happen in ways that other forms of media just can't. And yeah. it's so cool. Agreed. Uh, the boss rush against all the ODOs was just cool. I mm-hmm. love doing that. And the final, final boss was phenomenal. That was not in the original. That is it wasn't? new. No. Holy it ended with shit, the, they just knocked that out of the park. Yeah, Gigalomania, totally new. I just having the three party members you didn't choose to rush in and save you when everyone else is stunned, and then you, get, you fight it with like a full party of seven, 
Yes. But they stuns everyone. You're thinking, wait, now what? Everyone's down. And then Orstrid breaks free of Odio and it's him that deals the final blow. Just, oh my god, that was so cool. <sighs> oh, I felt feelings. My heart grew. Oh, I love that ending theme where it plays everyone's motifs. Yes, I was about to say. I, I, I love when you can say, when the game can say the end, but through music. It's just, oh, felt more feelings. What a wonderful ending. Just, uh, just having that, the final goal is to save the final boss from himself and free him. And just like, oh, so good. It's so good. It's so good. I'm really happy you enjoyed this game. I like it quite a lot. Easy, easy top five JRPGs. I will gladly I, I take loved, that. Love the novelty of the combat system. Loved the obvious inspirations of just like so many games that came afterward. Finally, be able to see like, oh yeah, that's where that came from. Oh yeah, that's where that came from. Oh yeah, that's where they came from. Right. It is shocking how important this game is and how little fanfare it gets. Right. Love the novelty of just going through so many different eras. JRPG combat did eventually get to me, but this game lasted a lot longer than most. This game lasted longer than everything but Persona 5, which I only enjoy specifically because it lets me skip the combat I don't like. You know, I get you. I get you. I, I, I hope this game gets more recognition in the future. It deserves it, and I'd love to see something else like it. Like, not, not like a sequel, but like something else exploring that idea of like, okay, let's take characters from like different time periods and just kind of just tell little fun stories with them. Isn't that just the easiest thing to conceptualize? Just what if this, but a pirate time period? Or yeah, what yeah. if this, but cyberpunk? What if this, but high school sports? Yeah, Arabian Nights, just aliens in general. Yep. There's, there is so much you could do with something like this. And it's, it's, it, it's kind of what Toby Fox is doing with Deltarune. <laughs> I kind of love that. Yeah. No, Toby Fox loves this game for good reason. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for the recommendation. I don't think I would have played this otherwise. Yeah, no, any time, I will gladly yell loudly, play live alive. Play live alive. And now I will happily echo, play live alive. It's a fantastic game. I like hearing this. So I tried really, really hard to get to a specific point in Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and I did not succeed. I am told that the big moment of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is the end of Chapter 5. I am in the middle of Chapter 5. Oh, so close. I am close to 70 hours in. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds about right. Yeah. I'm really trying, guys. Um, Do I like this game? That That is a question I ask constantly while playing Xenoblade Chronicles. I'm not sure. There is literally only one style in the game's many, many classes that I find fun to play, and that's the du dual-wielding pistols build. Because you just get to be right in your enemy's face, and then you have a skill where you jump backwards and shoot them, and it does extra damage to the front and has a dodge, so it is perfectly suited to last minute avoiding their attacks, and that is the only time I've ever felt engaged in this game. Playing as a defender never feels good ever, and playing as a healer feels like the AI can do this more efficiently. Yep, yep, that's, that's Xenoblade. The characters I enjoy quite a bit... Like, I think they're good. I think they have a fun rapport with each other. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sick of their quips. I, I'm really sick of their quips. <laughs> a lot. 
I don't care that you are the girl with the gall or that Lance wants one a bit meatier. I like you guys. <laughs> Please shut up. Uh, I don't know if there's a toggle in those games yet, but I can't believe that isn't more widely advertised if so, because it's ridiculous. Uh, I am in between 15 and 20 levels overleveled from the main quest at all times. Because I see area and I go, ooh, area, let's go there. Oh, wow, there is a modicum of challenge here. I think I'm going to stay here for a while. What do you mean I stopped getting job experience? I've run into the unique issue that I feel like I was told isn't in this game where you can't cap your level until after you beat the main story. I'm sorry, what? That's, because I that's... haven't found an option for that. Whoa, 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 That's, like, integral, though. That, that's that been in all the other- What the hell? Seriously? I don't know. I've heard that. This is information that I'm being told that I'm regurgitating solely as someone who knows nothing about Xenoblade. Because I definitely haven't hit a level cap. Yeah, no, it's usually 99. That's bizarre. I could have- I, I- Like, this might be me- be me misremembering, but I could have sworn that there was, like, checks and balances in the previous games that specifically prevent that situation from happening, because it can easily happen, because it's a game that encourages exploration. No, I'm just rolling bosses, my guy. If it's in here, I miss the tutorial that tells me that it's in here. Huh. To the game's credit, there are a lot of tutorials. I didn't read a lot of them, because I got bored. That's, that's, that's another Xenoblade staple. Um... I have not found a fishing minigame, and I'm very disappointed. Because I feel like anything that would have broken up this combat would have helped. But no, I'm just grinding up my levels, and then I can't get too attached to any sort of gameplay style. Because when my characters hit level 10, the game goes, Your characters have hit level 10 in this job class. It is inefficient to have them at this class because they won't gain job experience. You should change that. So even if I was having fun, which I was with the gunny boy, I can't really stick to that. It's that bravely default dilemma of being like, okay, I finally maxed out this class and I can finally use them to their fullest. But if I keep using them, I can't get levels in another class. Exactly. You just keep repeating over and over and over again. Of the heroes that I get, they're like temporary party members. They're fine. Your Nopon companions, Riku and Manana. Halfway through, they just decide that they can fight now, and it's wonderful. I love them. I love how deep the voice of that one Nopon is. Yes. Yes. He is delightful, and Manana is just a ball of energy. She turns herself into a Beyblade That's and with a cooking pot, and then Riku stands on top and shoots things with guns. It is wonderful. That makes me very happy. I also met Ashera. I want to shout out Ashera. She is a mean lady, and when one person called her suicidal, she responded, Yep, I want to die. <laughs> and I decide you're my favorite right now. Her entire thing is being the leader of a group of mercenaries who were thrown out of all the other mercenary groups because they were too crazy. And she's just like, yeah, I'm going to fight my entire mercenary group. They kicked me out for being too crazy. And your party's like, you what? You were kicked out of the crazy group. And she's like, yeah, let's beat their asses. It'll be great. They'll love it. And I'm like, this is the first time a character's stupid gimmick has made me feel things. <laughs> uh, Xenoblade eventually gets there. I've got that. With the feels. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. 
for the long, long stretch of 50 hours, I respected what they were doing with the cast, but I felt that they were very, very static characters because they're all coming from the same background of, well, we're essentially war orphans and we're discovering how the world works and all of us have had this same shared experience, but we were enemies, but now we're together and we're fighting for the greater good. They couldn't really evolve past that because they were incapable and the world was like, you are now abominations, we're going to kill you. And they're like, but the greater good, though. But some of them were like, oi, the greater good, though. Piss off. Which was like, fine, but like, just levels of different layers of British for how war orphan you are. <laughs> but then you get to the city and they like see children and they're like, what the hell are those? And then they see a baby and they're like, holy shit, what is this? And then there's just this wonderful, wonderful scene where a mother is holding her newborn baby and asks the cast if they want to stick their little pinky into the baby's tiny palm. And all of the cast do so and one by one start going, oh, 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 this is awesome. <laughs> and it is sweet and it is wholesome and it gives them such a layer of just you feel in their performance that expanding and it's like. It took you so long to get here! I'm so happy for you! With gritted teeth and popping veins. Like, there is so... The game gets good story-wise at the 60-hour mark! Thanks! <laughs> and we talked about this last episode, that pacing is kind of a lost art. And I feel like the recent Xenoblade games really show that. Like, the first one was so good, too, which is the most frustrating part about that. I sit here with Live Alive, and I'm being like, you are an immaculately paced RPG. What's going to beat you for best RPG of the year? Oh, fuck. I am excited to see where this game goes now. But at the same time, it also unlocked quests that let me take my job ranks from level 10 to level 20. And those are like hour-long quests each. And I have like 20 of those. And they'll overlevel you even more if you do them. Yeah, I'm going to be doing those because I want to play the fun gun class again. Oh, that I just looked it up. That was a baseline feature in, in, in the first one's Definitive Edition, but then New Game Plus Exclusive in 3. That's so <sighs> weird. Especially for a game that actively encourages you to like do side content to increase the, the drops. Like, having the job system but not having that is bizarre to me. Yeah, I... This game is doing enough to make me care and make me finish it. Like, I'm way too in deep now. I gotta finish it. But it's also doing everything it can to distract me from what it does well. I hope they, like, add that as, like, DLC or something. With that said, I also was an idiot and did grinding for the Turkin quest where you have to get 50 of four different kinds of random drops. Or oh, you, can you just never kill do all the those at once. Oh, no! Those are supposed to be passive kind of things. You don't do those all at once. No, you only get those drops in one region. And I was at the end of the region. Oh, never mind. That's just awful then. Yeah, no, it was really bad pacing. And they're all in areas that are cognizant to when you arrive in that area. Except one area, which is like a level 70 area. But instead, I went to another place and I ground up all my money that I'm not using at all. And turned it into resources that I'm only using so that I can be friends with the turkey people. 
and I'm glad that I did not kill the turkey people. But also, God, God, I'm a schmuck. I think I am my own worst enemy in enjoying this game, <laughs> but at the same time, it is giving me every reason to hit the things that I like about games, and is just going, yeah, it exists. I'm like, are you going to do it well? And they're like, no, but we're going to do it existently. I mean, I do think there's something to say about, like, designing your game around different playstyles. Like, that that should have just been a thought. Like, I, I, I can't believe they didn't realize that with... I, I, it's a feature in previous games! <laughs> Yeah, um, strong mid, strong mid, with, like, the the potential is right there. I'm sure people are going to be very frustrated and saying, you are right there. And I'm like, I know, but I want to be friends with Grey. Well, I can't even odder, stop myself. What's even odder is that based on, like, the, it's the first game especially, you can do all the side quests in that game and follow the main story and still be at a fairly comfortable position. Like, the way I play that game, I get through everything, and bosses are still difficult, so I don't know what... Maybe... I, 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 these games have been coming out fairly quickly. Like, Monolith Soft has been going crazy. Maybe they just don't have the time to, like, playtest and just consider these things. It's just go, go, go. Like, I'm not using chain attacks to beat bosses. I'm using chain attack when the boss is at 5% HP so I can maximize the experience bonus I get. Because it feels good to get those numbers high. But by exactly. Doing that, and I don't need it to beat the boss. I need it to make numbers go up. This is telling me that I think I'm going to wait for a while before trying to jump into three. Because I, I, I'm just kind of just browsing just forums talking about this issue. I, I hope that like Monolith sees that and just like get, gets that feature off of New Game Plus because that's, that, that's, not, that's not a plus feature. That's not something you're like, oh yeah, great, I can like play the game properly now. No, you need to... Yeah. Anyway, uh, world, really interesting. Characters getting there, really interesting. Had scenes that made me legitimately happy. I'm sure that I'm right there. I can't wait to see why this game is getting Game of the Year nominations. <laughs> Definitely not like... for its water. Oh my god, it has the ugliest water! <laughs> Oh my god, I got to the ocean, and it was like a texture of spider webs. Donkey Kong 64 has prettier water, and I played a lot of Donkey Kong 64 recently. It's so fascinating to see this. This is the epitome of a series that I desperately want to enjoy, and it just don't, won't let me for, at the extent I want to. Like, if I for... played this game when I was 15, I think I would adore it. I think this might be my Persona 4 if I played it when I was 15. I can see that, yeah. It, it's it's great for guy for people to just have all the free time in the world, just just do every little thing and go at their own pace. If this game was actively expanding my worldview, and I wasn't just going, oh neat, oh cool, oh I love this story setup, then yeah, no, I can understand why this is a definitive part of people's just growing up and understanding. It sets itself up very well for that, and it makes itself very very accessible. It's just kind of hard when you've seen all these story beats before, and you know that there's good stuff around the corner, but yeah. the game takes 60 hours to get there. Now I understand why all my older friends are like, yeah, I didn't really gel with Persona. I mean, but I... I, I well, actually, to be fair, I kind of breezed through Persona 4. No, I like, get that. <laughs> like, Teddy's boss, but I was like, nope, lowest difficulty, let's breeze. But even then, like, they, the game let me do that. <laughs> 
Braun Teddy's boss fight? You, you for real? I don't grind at all. But you, you just I, hit, you just hit guard when I, he's going to slap you like with the pin I was like ten levels lower than him where I was supposed to be. I, I looked it up and just like the pacing that those games expect me to go through those games is not the pace that I enjoy. It's just ten levels per dungeon. It's a great pace. I get like five. I avoid combat. I don't enjoy JRPG combat. You just hit the buttons and it's Pokemon. That was just Pokemon. I need my fast forward buttons. I shiny hunt in Pokemon. Future Sight! Future Sight! Yes, just end it there, please. I love that. No, I'm not getting angrier. Alright, here is news. I didn't pick up any game releases in the future because I, I'm tired and sick. There's anyway, two. Don't worry. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land outsells the original Kirby's Dream Land, which was at 5.27 million, to become the best-selling Kirby game of all time. So deserved. That makes me so happy. It's, it, it, it's, it's a great really movie. hard to beat those Game Boy benchmarks, where it's just like a game that everyone who owned the system that lasted for over a decade had. And it did it? In less than a year. It, it's great when you see a series, like, take strides at improving the series and see that ambition rewarded, like, sales-wise. Mm -hmm. Just like the last star aligned and fell into place, and now Kirby's just in this... Just, I can't wait for the future of the series. I know. Uh, WrestleQuest, a turn-based RPG featuring Andre the Giant and Macho Man Randy Savage, coming to Switch May 2023. Nice. This is notable because it's not like a parody of Randy Savage. It's actually Macho Man Randy Savage. Does that mean it might be good, or is it still going to be the same mess that the other games are? I don't... Well, it, it's not an actual WWE wrestling game. It, it's a turn-based RPG. Oh, I mean, I missed the turn-based part there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Just Final Fantasy, but one of your party members is Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay, okay. No, I, I didn't hear that first half of that. I'm significantly more invested in this now. Exactly. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I love Macho Man. He's a top five favorite wrestler for me. Nice. All right. Watch that episode of Dexter's Lab where he fights Monkey <laughs> a lot. Yes. I remember that. That was great. I do not like your kicks so high. I do not like them, Samurai. <laughs> God, I love that. Thank you for indulging me. Oh, of course. Uh, after 25 years, Ash Ketchum, age 10, becomes the Pokemon <laughs> World Champion. I was, I don't follow the Pokemon anime, so I was honestly shocked to hear that like it's been that long. I, I kind of just assumed that he just won every region, but no, no, he doesn't. Oh, no. Oh, no. The the only one he won was Alola, and it was their first championship ever. And also he won Orange Islands, which was one fight. So he just loses all the rest of them? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, only, I think uh, he's only been to the finals once before this. Yeah, I, I only watched the Pokemon anime for James Clip compilations, and that's about it. I get that. I get that. Eric Stewart carries hard. Yes, yes, he does. Praise be to Brock, James, and Squirtle. <laughs> but yeah, no. But that's nice. A, a big thing from Johto is that Ash only ever got to top 32 in Kanto. 
And that was his big bragging point. And everyone was like, huh, only top 32, huh? Well, good on them for finally paying off that journey. I like that. Yeah, the 25-year journey of the 10-year-old. Uh, it's such a shame. You could do so much with, like, like a growing pro- Pokemon. I, 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 it's Pokemon. I, I did I did see the clip of it doing I did really like just the, the going back and just having all of Ash's Pokemon over the years cheer on Pikachu. That that was heartwarming. That was nice. Yes. There is no stronger power-up in anime than Ash turning his hat backwards. Because <laughs> that's the thing. They save it. Like, the hat turned backwards is protected. Solo when he's about to win. I love that. That's great. Yes. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto is 70. That's the whole story. He's yeah, old. Ha- happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you for making the things. Thank you for accomplishing more when you were my age than I will ever accomplish. And then continuing to go on for that. For decades. Now, don't go have an existential crisis, because I'm going to be right there with you. And just, I don't, I don't have the energy to deal with that right now. But you know what? Other famous creator of a famous video game mascot does not have nearly this level of pride. I love this story so much. That would be Yuji Naka, arrested for insider trading related to Dragon Quest. Do we know the details of this, or is he just arrested with that? I think it's just that. I only got the story when it broke, so I don't know if anything else further has happened. But you would think that this would be Yuji Hori, the creator of Dragon Quest, who was arrested for selling Dragon Quest secrets. But no, it was Yuji Naka, the guy who designed Sonic the Hedgehog. I just, I just, I I love just the mental image of just shady background video game deals. Just you bring the stuff and it's just like video game document presentations in a manila folder. I just, I love that so much. Seeing the edit that was Felon Wonderworld just made me so happy. (laughs) Oh, that's great. But yes, uh, don't do insider trading with one of the most popular properties of your entire nation. That will not go well. You will get in trouble. I know the internet makes it seem like, oh, it's just fine, but no. Oh, no, in, in Japan? No. No, like, slap on the wrist for America, big publicity. For Japan? Oh, no, you're blacklisted. Like, do you know the stories of a Yakuza actor getting uh, busted for drugs? And then not only is he blacklisted from all acting agencies, his character that was modeled for him in Yakuza is completely remodeled, so he has disappeared. Oh, damn. I don't hear that story. Wow. That's mostly a crackdown on drugs, but any sort of thing, especially with how high Japan's prosecution rates are. No, you don't want to get arrested. Hmm. Very bad thing. Uh, PlayStation 1 Classic, Legend of Dragoon, compiled by a fan on PC. Disc 1 of it is fully playable now. Nice! That is Monoxide, is the person who has decompiled it. This is a big classic PS1 RPG. I believe it was made in-house by Sony. Released in 2000 as sort of just a swan song to the PlayStation, just a sort of, this is our internal effort after seeing what Final Fantasy VII has propped us up to be. Really beloved game, has absolutely no impact outside of, like, the two-year span it released in. So nice to see people love this game that is loved. Nice. You know what game is also getting a disproportionate amount of love? Yeah, I can see it on the docket. 
Pokemon Scarlet and Violet sell 10 million copies in three days, making it the biggest Nintendo launch ever! You know what? I, no, I get that. I get that. You, you show the trails of it being like, oh, holy shit, it's actually open world? That That's easy to market. I understand the success there. But like, god damn it, really? I think of the disparity in its treatment compared to Cyberpunk's. For what is essentially the same thing, which is going, there is good underneath, but look at these glitches, though. Yeah, I, I don't know if there is a franchise that's more frustrating to talk about than Pokemon with that way. It, 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 just, it just gets... Do I want to say pandered to? I think I do want to say pandered to. Just anytime people try to review it, there's like a, there's like a separate tier of quality that you judge Pokemon by. You're like, wow, you can, you can control the camera fully here. Wow, that's so revolutionary. And it's, it's just, I, I look at finished products like that and it just makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, at least people are happy, I guess. Yeah, there are some good Pokemon I, designs in there. I hate almost all of them, actually. Oh, I like some of them. We'll get to it in the comments. Like, there's a few that I love, but, like, ah, we'll talk about it in a second. There's a comment asking specifically about that. Okay, I don't even remember what they are right now, so you know what? You might be fair. Uh, I'll I'll post a list in the Discord. Okay, that's fair. Sin is added to Guilty Gear Strive. Officially a twink. He's jacked, though! Yeah, but Kotaku said... Fans love the new hot twink character, Sid, from Guilty Gear Strive. Nobody listens to Kotaku headlines. Yes, but it was the funniest reaction of everyone going, wow, Guilty Gear fans are built different. I, I did see a hilarious comment on that. I mean, like, the only reason that people are calling um, Sin a twink is that everyone else is built like a goddamn pickup truck. And in that context, I kind of do get it. Yes. Like, you put him next to, to Soul, and like, yeah, oh, okay, okay, fair. But compared to any other video game character out there, not nah, the dude's gonna break you over his knee. Yeah. But yeah, Sin. He's a good himbo, he likes meat and flags. I love how well Guilty Gear just diversifies their characters. Like, yes. every single silhouette, every single fighting style, it's just, it's, it might be the gold standard of the genre. I might go that far. It's so good. It could be, yeah. Alrighty. Let's talk about the Mario movie second trailer. I loved that trailer so much. I was, was filled with so, so much good. happiness. I was on Cloud9 all day from that. I don't even know where to start. I actually know. I, it, it's you. I know where to start. Like, how much Donkey Kong stuff was in that? Oh, I feel like my more God. Donkey Kong world building was done in that trailer than has been done in, like, the last 15 years of the series existing. Oh, by far. I don't think that that much has been done since, sh- I guess, Barrel Blast? <laughs> Because that one at least had ancient Donkey Kong Babylonian laser beams. And Calypso, who owns a nightclub for the Kremlings. But like, oh my god, God Emperor Cranky. Oh, yes. I that love is that such design. A perfect is- design for him. S-tier design. There is no one with more outstated importance than Cranky, except maybe Dr. Cortex from Crash Bandicoot. And he was already a God Emperor once. But that design is so incredible, it fits him so well. I was not where I was expecting this character to come in, but it's so good! Love the design they are going for with Donkey Kong. He has had the same design for 28 years now. Yeah, I I was surprised by how much they changed it, and then by how much I still loved it. Like, he's so expressive. I know! And I always love the Donkey Kong He kind of looks like Seth Rogen, and I don't hate it? 
I what? know, but he still has the eye shape of how he was depicted in the art of his uh, cartoon of his Cranky Kong self. Yeah, yeah. But he still has the physicality of the DKC version, which is what matters for that version. I, just, I, I loved how happy he looked just smacking Mario around. That I know, was, I was so happy. That was so good. Like It, it makes it, me happy that he's happy. He's not trying to kill him, but it, it's that perfect, just like the giant himbo. Like that's it's it's they nailed it. Oh gosh, I love. And then Peach. Funky Kong was in it. Yeah, Funky Kong's there. All of them. Like I saw Donkey Kong Junior. I saw Diddy and Dixie. I saw Swanky. Yeah, sure. no, that was on a poster. That was on a poster that came out like an hour after. So I was still on my high of like, okay, this is Funky. This might be Kitty. This might be Diddy. And then just straight up, just fucking Swanky Kong, who has been on milk cartons <laughs> since '96. Yeah, that, that, that's just, I, I was just frame by frame going through the trailer, just being like, if K. Rool is in here, I'm screwed. And like, he could be here. I'm so scared. Like, going through the entire crowd of the Coliseum, like, there's, there's going to be a Kremlin around here or something. I'm still safe. No, you're, you're holy fine. shit, that was close. I think you are fine, unless my perfect gambit is ruled against me. Like, that, that Mario Kart sequence, like, I, I'm so, like, do you realize what that probably is? Like, in what? the storytelling terms? Because, like, that's not set up like a race. Right. That is, no, that, that is totally, like, that is, that is right of the Rohirrim. Mario went to go get reinforcements to bring on Bowser, and he's bringing all of the Kongs. Yes. Which I can't wait to see the payoff of that. Oh, I am thrilled. Uh, I appreciate the fanfic homoerotic tension they give Bowser and Luigi. <laughs> he caresses his chin for a concerningly long time. I love that it's Luigi. I, I know everybody's saying this, but I love that it's Luigi being the, in the damsels in distress role, because it fits him really well. Yes. Like, his whole character is about, okay, I gotta be brave now, so sure. And it lets Peach have a halberd! I love that! Yeah. Like, I know that there's the complaint of, oh, you're making Peach too girl boss or whatever. And, like, that's always been her character whenever she's not kidnapped. Like, she has two personalities— Girl boss and kidnapped. I, I do hope it's not just generic girl boss, because I, I am just straight up tired of generic girl boss. Like, I've seen the same character over and over and over again. Like, let's spruce it up a little, but I love Peach with a halberd so much more than what the tradition is. Oh, yeah, definitely. But just, just to point out freaking Super Mario Adventure, Super Princess Peach. Super Paper Mario has literally a scene where she's like, oh, you get kidnapped all the time. And Peach goes. Boys, leave. I'm going to beat this bitch's ass. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing, to be clear. I, I understand. It's not you I'm fighting. It's the world, angrily. <laughs> I, I love that. There, there's so many just individual shots in that yes. trailer that just make me so... Like, that level select looking thing, just, just, oh my gosh, that was beautiful to see. I love how they're interpreting the obstacle courses as training courses. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Like, Way to actually make that part of the world in a way that makes sense. People are going to fall in love with the world of Mario in the same way that I did as a kid, but I had to use my imagination. This is fleshed out. People can expand and imagine further than I ever could have. They could develop more of the Mario world, celebrate more of the Mario world, become bigger, more enriched fans than I ever could have, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I, I no longer have any... Sorry, keep going, keep going. 
No, I've lost my train of thought, go. <laughs> I, I'm no longer afraid of Illumination handling this. Like, I was kind of worried upon seeing that, that they were going to be, like, just throwing, like, really lazy animation. But, like, every... Like, you see that shot of just panning over Bowser's army? And that mm-hmm. is just chock full of just references and every single character doing slightly different things. Every Koopa has a visual reaction to whatever's going on around them. You see that one... The what, What's the big Koopa-looking guys that... What, Sledge Bro? I think, I think so, yeah. That's just bench-pressing, like, a bunch of other Koopas on a girder. And it's just, like... There's so much detail. It's insane. I love it. This is made by hundreds of people who care exactly as much as I would care. And I would care a lot. Yeah. It has that special sauce that so many adaptations lack. Maybe we see it and it's just chock full of minion humor, but it's toads now. But I, I don't think it will now that I've seen enough of these. The Toads have more visual diversity here than they do in the RPGs. Yes. Yes, they do. Not so much. you know what? Everyone going, oh, the Toads are going to be the minions and look generic. I'm like, it's already a step up. Yeah, y- you got Michael Keegan's character with like a frying pan and a backpack. And it's just like, that, that's, that's something. We could have a potential reference where Toad says that he left his bazooka at home. Yeah, I mean, potential references. Like, the sky's the limit. I know. But that would be an impossible joke. It is now a reality joke. <sighs> you know, this could just it very well likely is going to just be a fun little cute little kids movie. It's not going to have much of any sort of plot substance. But as a world, as a celebration of Mario and the visual and kinetic identity of him and bringing that world to life like that, that matters more. Yeah, yeah. I, I go so- and, like, that's not something Mario has had for a really long time. Yeah. Like, Mario games feel so disconnected from each other. Like, sure, Odyssey does some decent world building, but it's all stuff that we've never seen before, and you don't feel like that connects with anything in the past. Mm-hmm. Galaxy is fun. Rosalina is fun. She barely has any, like, she doesn't appear at all in the past 3D world. But this feels like it's just taking everything and just combining it forward, and it's just... It's filling me with a love of the series I didn't realize I had, with the world specifically, because they're all so disconnected. But, like, when you put Mm -hmm. it together, it's beautiful. It's something I haven't felt from a character other than Bowser and Luigi in a very long time. Agreed. And we're still getting that Donkey Kong movie. Oh, absolutely. They they built a whole island for him. (laughs) You're not going to make a model for Swanky Kong and not use it. The, the, I, I, I'm gonna call this now the end credits sting- the end credits end credits <laughs> you know what that was a slip of the tongue credit stinger is just going to be the Donkey Kong family discovering their banana banana horde has been stolen that's going to be the end credits thing I am debating if it will be K Rule or Wario I think it could be either I, of those I, two I could see that I feel like Wario could cameo in this though I, I don't know if it, I, I don't feel like he's a big enough like name. Well, maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't Look know. at the point where you're saying K. Rule is a bigger name than Wario. Well, and tell that, me he's not relevant. No, well, no, I'm, I'm saying that because of Donkey Kong as a whole. <laughs> no, I get you, I get you, Compared I get to, you. like, Wario as a series. I get Wario's, you. Wario's too discombobulated. But God, I am so, so happy this is just a movie made by thousands of people who care so much and Chris Pratt. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, I'm, I'm not eyes down on The Voice. I think it's fine. But when everyone else is giving it their all, it, it does stand out a lot. To, to be fair, I, ju- I don't think I would have liked this interpretation of Mario to begin with. I, I don't like him as the fish out of water trying to learn things. That, that, that's not Mario for me. That, that's Luigi for me. Yes. Yes, it is. But Mario is supposed to have the confidence and like he can fail and his confidence can be shaken, but he's, he's let's go, not let's go. I'll be fine with it if this is the origin and like that goes away, like moving forward. Cause obviously there's going to be just so much more after this. Cause this is going to do well. It's going to be received well. And Nintendo's just going to go crazy. They're finally going to start doing stuff. Yes. With Donkey Kong. Yeah. It's happening. It's real. Oh, God, it's real. 20 years from now, we're going to be seeing, like, Smash Brothers but a movie. Like, when yeah. they set that Galaxies thing, and there's hundreds out there, like, that's that, that that's happening. Oh, yeah, no, no, they're, way they're, they're planning. They're thinking. I could see King K. Rool on the big screen in four years. Oh, my God. You could see a team-up between Bowser and K. Rool. You could see a villain team-up of, like, a lot of different Nintendo villains. Just see them talking about their plans, and then that just Ridley's there being like, we're gonna more murder everybody. Does. And just everyone just pauses and looks up at him horrified. There's so much they can do. Oh. <sighs> Nintendo is great. Yeah. Nintendo shuts down Smash World Tour 2022 and denies future communication. Okay, but like I have heard things about this. I don't. I think this one's a little more complicated than what you it sounds. You are correct. Panda are game correct. was being kind of a dick. So, from my read of it, and I only read this once, so please read the articles for yourself. Um, and it is a statement by Smash World Tour, so we haven't received a statement from Nintendo or from Panda at this time. Yes. But from my understanding is they did the 2021 thing as an unsponsored event from Nintendo, and then Nintendo contacted them and were like, hey... We would like to sponsor you and make it a sponsored event for 2022. And Smash World Tour couldn't get everything all set for Nintendo by the time that Nintendo would require of them. But due to how slow Nintendo communication was, it that was basically a pipe dream in any case. Mm. But Nintendo basically said, okay, it's, it's all right. It's just difficult for us to manage between our various offices worldwide, as opposed to just Nintendo of America. So you can still run the event. It will not be sponsored, but we give it our blessing. Mm -hmm. Uh, At that point, Panda, who is sponsored by Nintendo and got full sponsorship for that, started muscling in saying, hey, you can't advertise for this. We're the official tournament and we're going to take specific tournaments and put them under our umbrella, and you can't have them. And those tournaments basically clapped back and said, that seems a bit bullshit. And Smash World Tour didn't want to go, hey, we have this deal with Nintendo, so they just kind of let it go and let the tournaments do it on their own. And they clapped back against Panda, to be fair. Mm -hmm. So then Panda went, okay, both of these events can count toward both of our tournaments now. So... Unfortunately, communications broke down between Nintendo and Smash World Tour as months went on. They reported this behavior from Panda. Nintendo was like, that doesn't represent us. We will have a talk with them because that does not represent who we as a brand are. And they continue going. They continue going last minute. 
Smash World Tour pushes harder one last time. Nintendo is like, we are really, really sympathetic. We are going to give you an official statement. And then at their 11th hour, basically go, okay, guys, so here's the thing. We can't sanction this tournament. We have to have you shut down. We can't get it together. And Smash World Tour basically goes, well, okay, uh, is it possible for us to probably like do this same sort of thing next year? Just run this one event and then, you know, plan for the future like we've been doing before. And Nintendo goes, the time for that has passed. Yeah, it's a it's an odd situation of taking a step backwards in competitive Smash Brothers. I'm not really surprised that it happened. I don't know. It's it's messy. Yeah. Huh. I do believe that there are people at Nintendo who really want to make this work. No, it I, abs- like I absolutely believe that, yeah. I also absolutely believe the corporate hammer came down at the end of the day, in yeah. spite of those efforts. I, I don't think it's a... Uh, it's it's not something that the whole company's behind, and I think, unfortunately, the uh, less enthusiastic about it are those higher up on the ladder, mm-hmm. which just makes all of this difficult. But at the same time, I don't think there was... Except maybe the Smash World Tour people themselves, anybody who handled this particularly well. Yes, and there were some people who handled it exceptionally poorly. And by poorly, I mean sabotagingly. Waiting for those receipts. Yep. Because gosh, I'm not going to start another witch hunt. Ha! Funny. God. Uh, I'm glad I really hate the ending to Bayonetta 3. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what happened there? Did they just, like... The, the entire story there was just, like, the least interesting thing they could have done with that. Yeah, the multiverse of Bayonetta. Oh, no, it oh, was, no, I, I hate it just, more than anything. It's just blah. Like, it actively hurts my ability to enjoy other Bayonetta games. Anyway, Sakurai made a video about his cat. Yes! He's, he just keeps putting out banger after banger after banger. And decided I can't just, compete with I that. No, nobody can. I give up. Collectively, the all of the video essayists on YouTube could try to work, come together and make something. It still wouldn't beat Sakurai's cat. Yep. He was so happy while talking about it, too. I know. You can just see it in his face. Oh. Is that all the news? That is all the news. Okay. What uh, are we working on? Donkey Kong. Don- yeah, just Donkey Kong. It's going to be all it's this month. I'm releasing a Donkey Kong-related video or sponsoring one from another channel that I will provide a link to in a tiny, like, one-minute teaser for every single day. Yep, and I still have two more of those I need to finish. Yeah. I'm going to make it. I, I, th- I think, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think this is actually doable. Oh, and it, it, just in terms of games coming out, uh, Callisto Protocol. Very oh, excited for right. that. Very nice. There's also a Marvel game from the XCOM people, which I'm going to poke at because it's XCOM. But like, cool. that's it. I know Dragon Quest Treasures is coming out, and that'll be neat. I like Eric. I'm not going to be able to play any of them, though, because I still need... I haven't even able to get around to God of War. I feel bad about that, but I know that if I don't keep it as a carrot at the end of the stick to like get through all of this, I'm not going to finish the videos I need to finish. Yeah, I I need to finish Xenoblade. I need to play Sonic. I want to play Sonic. I've been impressed by how well that's been doing. Yeah. Like, story-wise. Like, I actually kind of care about the characters here. They seem to have matured. Yeah. It's not just quips. Endless quips. That moment where Sonic tells Tails that he grew up on him faster than he thought? 
I'm like, holy shit, Tails. I heard a clip of Sonic wishing he could share an umbrella with Amy, and I was flabbergasted. It's like, what the hell? Amy's a character? And they like each other? Dude, Knuckles is a character. I mean, Knuckles has always been a character, though. Can you tell me what Knuckles has done since Sonic Adventure 1? Don't disrespect Sonic Boom like that. The, 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 I'm talking about the TV series, though. Well, yeah, well, yeah that, but that's alternate universe, Knuckles. Uh, okay, fair, well, fair, fair. I, I'm saying Knuckles so, ass Knuckles. Kn- Kn- Knuckles is a great character when he's not in the mainline Sonic games. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. But yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Bonus stage. Welcome to Bonus Stage. So you want to talk about One Piece? Oh, sure. I'll talk about One Piece. Okay. Uh, not the way you're thinking, because I saw uh, oh, One Piece mo- film okay, read. It's the movie. Okay. Yes. I want to talk about this specifically. I went to myself, I went to see the One Piece movie, and you get to talk about One Piece way too much, despite me loving One Piece. So now I get to talk about One Piece. That's fair. And, uh... You specifically are allowed to see this movie. Okay. In order to see this movie, you must understand One Piece through Whole Cake Island. That is the prerequisite. It is really, really interesting for that. Now, you may be saying to yourself, Pier, that's like 900 chapters of reading. I can't do that. That's really too difficult. And my thing is, yes, because we are friends. You know what? This parasocial relationship that we have matters more. You know why? Because I am a parasocial dominatrix. When I say something, you go and do it because you want this from us. So go, read 900 chapters of One Piece because this film was great. I had such a fun time. You heard the man. Do it. (sighs) To give the basis of what the movie is, uh, this follows a new character, Uta who is Shanks's secret daughter, so to speak. And oh. not like... And that would generally put up as many red flags as possible, but it is also treated by, oh, Luffy always knew, he just never told anyone. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I had the red flags waving, but... Like, yeah, literally the fits. first thing he goes, he goes up to her on stage, and he's like, hey, it's me! We were childhood friends. And she goes, oh, yeah, Luffy, yeah, what's up? Luffy's going like, hey, where is Shanks? You are his daughter. And everyone at the concert is like, what? Oh, <laughs> <sighs> uh, that's funny. Which just like, it wouldn't work if it wasn't Luffy. No, it wouldn't. Anyway, this is such a weird film because it is a One Piece movie where the Straw Hats have such little agency, like to go down the ones that matter, just to go down the characters that matter in this movie, in order. Uta is by far the most important character. Of course. Uh, Then Luffy. Oh no, not Luffy. Shanks second. Then Luffy. Then Blueno. Who? The guy with the door door fruit. Who looks Wh- like a oh, bull what? man. No, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember. Then Kobe. Then Usopp. Then the Mirror Witch from Whole Cake Island. Wow. Then okay. Rook. Then Robin. 
and then characters stop mattering. Huh. It is... Oh, wait, no, and Law is there. Law is there as well. Because, of course, Law is there. Of course Law is there, yeah. Yeah, name, name one time. It is funny because he's only there because his panda crewmate is a friend of Uta's, or a fan of Uta's. And he is just there to chaperone him. That's great. Makes me so happy. Anyway, the gist of this film is that Uta has a power called the Sing Sing Fruit. And while she is singing, she is able to make anything that she is singing about become reality. That's broken. It is. But it gets twisted and turned in various ways. And obviously, once she stops singing or if she gets too tired and passes out, she is completely vulnerable. This is, surprising enough to me, a musical where all of the songs are performed by Uta. And all of them are bangers. All of them are great. Yes. Like, let me just give you a couple to play in the background. Yeah, please throw this at me. I'm fascinated. Yeah, like, there are a couple. All of them are performed by a Japanese artist called Ado. And she is an absolutely fantastic performer with an incredible range. So just, here is just probably the generic power-up wish fulfillment fantasy song. Obviously, do not play this in the episode. I'm just. Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, no, no. This is very, very copyright. Which is her at her highest, her at her height of power, and then you start getting songs like this. (laughs) And then you start getting songs like this. That was another beat I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah. The ability to change genres, and the fact of the matter is, every time that you get a new song, you get a new level of this character's progression. Because as she's singing, her trying to keep the illusion up, her trying to keep the happiness of the world up that she wants, starts degrading more and more with her mental state. And you get to see the degradation of this character's mental state, her redemption, her lowest points, her most rebellious points, everything that this character is, is expressed through her songs. Wow. It's it's Seraphine if Seraphine was a good character. I, I love this. Yeah. I adore and, uh, this character. What? That's just yeah. rapping. Damn. Yeah. There's rap, there's swing, there's metal, there's sweet ballads. And then on the soundtrack CD, she covers Binx's Brew. Oh, oh! Now I have to. Okay, that you got me. You got me. That that's not in the film, but it's in the soundtrack. So, but and it's oh, it's so so good. That it would be so easy to do a story like this and just have one genre of music. The fact that they did all of this, it's all of this and the same performer. That's insane. Her range is incredible. She is a superstar insofar as Japanese music is concerned, but. Damn, does she absolutely deserve it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What an incredible, incredible showcase for her voice. Um, Plot-wise, um, if you like Pokemon the third movie, this is that but better. All right. And you should like Pokemon the third movie. That's the good one. I haven't seen it. You didn't Sorry. see the one with Entei? Nope. I've seen the Mewtwo one, and that's it. Oh, that one's so much better. No, I believe it. I've heard that's the good one. Yeah, it is. 
the straw hats barely matter at all, but when they do, oh damn, they get to do the cool thing, and you get to see your straw hats do the cool thing, and that's really, really cool. We get to see a Luffy-Shanks team-up without them actually meeting, so that their promise can still be fulfilled. Nice. That's always my worry with those kinds of, like, anime movies, that you're kind of just gonna break whatever the ongoing story is. Oh, so yeah, I'm glad it- that they... This makes no sense well. in the timeline at all. Well, uh, yeah. But, like, actually contradicting things. Yeah, it should technically be between Whole Cake and Wano, but that's physically impossible. Yep. And also, they give Luffy the power he has at the end of Wano, so... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Just for a couple frames, because they were clearly making this mid-Wano, but they are like, no, nah, that'd be cool to throw in, though. Also, um... I watched One Piece through the four kids dub growing up. Yeah. I then did not interact with it for about 20 years and then read the manga. I am about as far removed from the song We Are that you could possibly be. When that song kicks in as a motif in the orchestral finale of it. Oh, oh my god. great. Yes. Just the idea. And for a movie so celebratory of its music? Ugh. This was just such a fun time. And you know what? It was such a great time to just see this in a theater with about ten other people in a theater that should seat about a hundred of people who just are there to have a wonderful time and are loving everything that you see on the screen. That's always the best experience like that. It was such a cozy time. Everyone had a great time. There were cheers for the just the little references. Just very polite, nervous cheers. It felt so good. It was so happy. I've been listening to these songs, like, nonstop for the past month. Because they are the damn catchiest things in the world and make incredible workout songs. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Would I say it's an all-time great movie, absolute classic, transcends the genre? No, it's a fun One Piece movie. It's really, really good at being a musical, though. And that blew me away. Like, th- that's what takes it from more than just, oh, it's it's my fun anime that I get to see blown up big time. Oh, no. Oh, no, there's something here that I unabashedly love separate from One Piece. Uda is such a strong character. That has been canonized in One Piece now. Oh, like, nice. Not, not this movie, but the actual character existing is a thing for One Piece. So they've worked her into the story, and I... I'm happy. I care. Yeah, sorry I'm not saying more. I'm too busy listening to the music. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Which one is your favorite? Mine is Backlight. Uh, what was the name of the third one? I can't read Jeff. Yeah, Backlight. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. Oh, God. When she growls and she screams... Okay, it's so hard to do a growl in music. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you barely hear it. I yeah. can't think of any other examples. But all right, I'm I was never considering watching this before, but I might actually now. Cool. Yeah, and the musical sequences are really visually interesting. Nice. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm gonna have to stop listening to talk I about know. Mine. God damn it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, if you like <laughs> Pokemon, the third movie, and also Nightmare on Elm Street, this is the movie for you if you've read 900 chapters of One Piece. Much like Uda, I am the parasocial dominatrix, so you will watch it for me. <laughs> nice. That's the podcast title. Okay, yeah, that's the plan. There we go.
Great. I'm glad to not have to think of a podcast title. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Okay. okay. Yeah. I love One Piece. T- say say words. So I, I could have brought a few things. I was so tempted to bring Andor because I, from what I said last time, I will happily double down. This is easily better than Mandalorian Season 1. That's not a dug against Season 1 of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But holy shit, it's so good. That's what the series needed. What the franchise needed. Good. Uh, I could have also brought um, similar reasons I was watch- playing The Third Age. I've been rewatching My Hero Academia. Because okay. I love that show. It is a wonderful show, and it makes me happy. Masterfully blends music and emotional moments. But I wanted that to bring I something different. Because I've bought a lot of just shows, like animes and shows. I wanted to bring something a little different. So I'm going to be talking about just a, a YouTube series I saw called Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Okay, yes, go on, please. Are you familiar with this? I am very familiar with Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Yes. I haven't seen the recent stuff, but I saw all the legacy stuff. Oh, the recent stuff is so good. But uh, for, for those in the audience, I'm not going to say that much because it's just better going in blind. But on paper, it looks like a show tailored for very young audiences, like Sesame Street levels of young audiences. You have yes. a smart-ass Muppet Green Duck, a dumb Simpsons-looking Muppet human, and a tall actual human in a red jumpsuit who I can only really describe as having a mop for a head. Yeah, that, that, that that's basically it. Yeah, and the show just kind of revolves around them hanging out, and when a wacky character will show up to teach them a lesson about something. It could be jobs, or time, or travel, or family, anything. Usually with lots of songs and bright colors, just, just kind of what you'd expect from a kid's show. It's also absolutely dripping with psychological and disturbing horror. Time is important, and I am a clock. Time is, yes. And now it's about to end. It's one of those wolves in sheep's clothing sorts of media, using the juxtaposition of how innocent it looks to go crazy with how nasty the subject material can get. I have watched the old stuff. It goes so much harder than the recent stuff, man. Oh, that's delightful. Like, there's not as much, like, outright body horror stuff, but, like, it it goes for your brain with the recent stuff. And it, it's just so good. It's also weird. Just really fucking weird. Every episode yeah. will have at least one full-on acid trip-inducing moment. Like, you'll have the duck just, just singing about how much he loves his shredder for a solid 30 seconds. I do love the shredder. I do, it, his, his personal shredder. And it's just that. For 30 seconds. It's wonderful. Oh, good. There's tonal whiplashes, fourth wall breaks, fifth wall breaks. I don't know what that means, but it has it. Deeply complex lore. Uh, The art style is constantly shifting. You'll go from, like, cartoon to claymation to just in the studio. It's lots of fun with that. And just some of the best absurdist humor I've ever seen. Like, lots of moments where you're thinking that shouldn't be funny, but I'm on the floor laughing. No, definitely. Definitely. It's so quotable. <laughs> Absolutely. Just infinitely. You just get to replay these surrealist moments in your head over and over again. It, it's so rare that you get a chance to be able to articulate and share surrealism with someone. And yet, if you say the words green is not a creative color, <laughs> everyone will get it. I don't work here. Okay, bye! Oh, you, you, p- p- please watch the new stuff as soon as you can and then tell me about how you feel about it because that, 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 would, that would make me so happy. I'm a little busy. 
I know, but they're shorts, and they will make they will give you the energy to get through the rest of it. I have to beat Xenoblade and Ducktales, okay? This, this gets priority over Xenoblade easily. I understand. It definitely should. Uh, let's. Uh, I'll kind of give a framework for one episode. Just uh, if you if you're interested at this point, just skip to the next segment here. But I just to give people more of an idea. Yes, please illustrate to me. Yeah, one episode starts with the the tall red character acknowledging that they never get to go anywhere fun. They're always stuck in the same house doing mundane things. The mundane thing in question here is that the duck is counting inventory of everything they have, just mm-hmm. looking at the floor, going, "Okay, one tile, one tile." One tile, and then the red guys just complain. This just, just just call it the floor. We have one floor, and the pawn complained about wanting to go somewhere else. A giant old hard of hearing train with legs bursts in to teach them about travel, and a song starts about how there's all sorts of different ways you can travel the world. You can go in boats, you can go in trains, you can go in cars. Cass is riding in the train as he morphs into different vehicles. It's all happy go lucky, except except part way through the song, the train dies. Just yeah. sputters out. He dies. Yep, that's the rail industry. And the tall red guy, unwilling to accept that the journey is over, fiddles with the corpse of the car and eventually gets it to drive, allowing them to go on a real adventure and another song starts, briefly interrupted by the corpse being a corpse and just the yellow dude finding a random stranger on the on the road and bringing him along, like, I found this guy on the road! And the, the red guy was like, no, 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 just get her out of him and just throws him out the window and the song continues. Just, the tonal whiplashes in the show are just, it's just delicious. Except surprise, the car isn't quite dead. And after being horrified by the group piloting his body, he actually sputters out and dies, causing the art style to bluntly shift as the group is now in the middle of an abandoned junkyard with nowhere to go. The sun sets, they huddle, huddle around a hastily built fire as the light slowly fades, and that's just the end of the episode. This show is really weird. Yeah, that's it good might shit. be my favorite. It, it, that's a good favorite. As someone who watched the rehearsal entirely for feeling uncomfortable and being fascinated by how uncomfortable I feel, that is stroking that in a different way. It is a deliciously creative show. It's clearly a passion project of some deeply talented and probably disturbed individuals. And like, if anything I've said sounds interesting to anybody out there, the whole thing's on YouTube. And I guarantee that even if you don't like it, you will probably find it interesting. It might be better if you don't like it, even. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. hate the things you love. It'll be great. But yeah, I, I, I love the show. I don't want to say anything more because it's easy to spoil. There's not much more that can be said for something like this. Like, you see it, you get it, and then you repeat it. In just so many delightful ways. It, it, it's a good cult show. If the idea of a song about electricity... Where they're just turning different things into electric things. Like, what about this breadboard? Let's make it an electric bed breadboard. Goes to, what about this chair? What about an electric chair? And it splits to two seconds of the guy in the electric chair screaming as he's electrocuted. And then the song just continues after that. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's, it's, it's weird, but it's fun. Yeah, if you don't like that, you don't know comedy. <laughs> Alright. Let, let's, let's hit some comments to wrap this up. Let's do it. I talked about this comment earlier on. Might as well get it out of the way. I'm from Alejandro. Obvious design dorks comments, but what are your thoughts on any of the soon-to-be-released new generation 9 Pokemon? 
I am curious, what are the ones that you do like? I will link a Sarah B. Okay. To, uh, so everyone, you're getting my raw reactions aside from the ones that I know a little bit of, which are usually the ones that are related to other ones. So I let's go. I will say, I'm not that fond of really any of the starter trio. I think the fire one is easily the best one. Oh no, I, I actually love Quaxley's full line. I can't, I can't. Have you seen the third one in motion? I, I have. I love it. I love the idea of just making it capoeira themed. Yeah, that 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 just weirds me the hell out. I, I can't. No, that's great. He's he's a goofy little man. I love him in the same way that I love Ludicolo. I guess I could say that. See that if it was more duck and less human. Oh I'd no, be dude, down. you didn't play Tekken three. Let's see. These are my first things. Oh, it's uh, a cute tarantula. It looks ugly now. Uh, the Sprigatito line just evolves into a Delta Room character. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, that that disappoints me. That's way too human for me. Fight Coco's I do, good. I do love Dun Dun Sparse. Yes. That's 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 great. Yes. The, what My, the fuck is this Digimon? That's why I feel about a lot of these. <laughs> is this Slow Kicks? Uh, okay, he's got a ball. Oh, he's got a big ball. That makes sense. Uh, that's head, just it, but a with a bigger grave on its head. Yeah. That's just Cutie Fly with dimples on its head. I love Wiglet and Wug Trio. That's probably my favorite of the generation. Uh, fish, fish, dolphin, swole dolphin. Wait, it has a zero form and a hero form? Yeah, I think it's kind of like, um, what's the seventh generation fit? Wishy washy. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's, it's I love a it being called kind of that. Thing. It's got the heart on its. I love asshole dolphin all might. That's great. That's a did you what double pepper dragon? I kind of love that. I kind of love you, Skovalian. It's a neat one, yeah. Uh, Varum, Revarum, no. Uh, Wormy, I like Wormy. Uh, this. Family thing looks like stuffed dolls. I like that if they're not actual mice bar dolls. I think they're mice. That's sure, disappointing. Though. The dinosaur, dinosaur, fish. Just another random fish. Why is it a dragon? I I don't know. Does that have all this something weird? Uh, Pommy is cute. That whole line, yeah, that that works. That's a it's a weirdly slowly evolving thing. It just stands up. Yeah. And then gets a haircut. Oh, this electric flying thing. That looks neat. I like that. It's it's like cool swallow. It's like Darkwing Duck swallow. Your name Bombardier, is Squawkabilly? Bombardier makes me uncomfortable. I love Squawkabilly. That's so stupid. I love it. And it has Intimidate? That's just a flamingo. That is just a flamingo. It's, it's also just called Flamingo. Let's see. Cloth is dumb. I do like the pun of Nackley's name. Yeah, I can see it. Next stack. Yeah, that's just Minecraft. That's pretty funny. You're just Cosmoem. Uh, graffiti monkey. That's creepy. I like it. I like that one too. I'm not really feeling either of the dogs. No, they're if they're the, fine. The flavor of Mastiff is all right, but yeah, Mastiff is nice. That's Ghost Tumbleweed. I like. Oh yeah, that that haunted one. Oh, what's the evolution of? The mimic. Is I, it made I, of coins? I don't know. They had such a solid idea, and then it just, I don't know what happened. Uh, ooh, ooh, these are variants. 
I like most of the uh, past variants, and I can't stand most of the future ones. Don fan, cool. Yo, this yo scream tail, scream tail fox. <laughs> uh, Roaring Moon. What Pokemon are you? Uh, Salamence. Oh, I can't tell that at all. Okay, okay, no, these past ones are pretty okay. Magneton is fucking weird, but oh wow, yeah. Oh, yo, Metal Hariyama though. It's alright. The future ones are kind of just the Pokemon, but metal. Yeah, that's true. You know, like that T-Tar is kind of boring. Delibot. Okay, now I that you've said that. that his, now his that you've feet said that, okay, are skis. Okay. <laughs> I didn't consider Delibot. Uh, the Glade one actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, kind of a mix between it and Gardevoir. Yeah, that's, I'd say, like, half and half. I like the past's, like, creativity a bit more, but overall, like... These are pretty fair designs for that. Uh, I like Ice Cat a lot. I do like Land Snail. Chinpo. What, what is that? Hairy Snail? Yeah, I think I think so. Leaf Snail. It's a Leaf Snail. That's a, that that is genuinely solid. Oh yeah, it's the thing with the hammer that everyone likes. That one's good. It's good. I don't know if it, I consider it a Pokemon. It's kind of just. I like Amy Rose. Yeah, that's one. Oh my God, Toad School and Toad Cruel. Toad Scruel. I love Toad Scruel. That's a fucking winner. Claude Sire, also Claude a Sire's fucking dopey. winner. Yep. This generation has some really good dopey ones. Yeah, uh, anyway, those were my impressions of the Pokemon that I cared to have an impression about. I hope that answered your question. Alrighty, let's grab... This was an interesting question. Uh, from Justin, what game deserves to be remade, and when does a game deserve to be remade or remastered? Huh. Kind of talking about, like, just all the all the talk about what should or should not be remade. Uses Last of Us Remake as an example. I, I think that there are two major points in favor of remaking a game. Because in general, I will be like, no, you should be making a new thing. Like, uh, look at, say, Crash. It was amazing that we got the Insane Trilogy. Those were really, really well received due to that Crash 4's luster went down significantly. And Crash 4 is a significantly better game than any of the Ensign games. And I love those games. I never considered that angle of it, but yeah, it kind of does make 4 feel less special by doing that first. Things like, say, the Medieval remake. It's great that you remade Medieval, but, like, we could have gotten a new Medieval game. And that game's about, you know, Sir Daniel Fortescue waking up in different time periods. The first one is just Medieval. The second one is he's in Victorian London fighting Jack the Ripper. <laughs> That's really fun. Would I like to see, say, a remake of Legacy of Kane? Absolutely. Do I think that a new Legacy of Kane game would be more interesting? Definitely, because Tony J is dead. It makes it really, really difficult to remake some of those. I think there are two major factors that factor into having a remake. Game availability? And whether or how much the game would improve from you remaking it. Uh, for example, Silent Hill 2. Is that a game that needs a remake? Yes. Why? Because no one can play it except on the PlayStation 2. Every other version of it is terrible. Live Alive. Is that a game that needs a remake? Yes. Why? Because it completely missed out on the impact that it should have had. Chrono Trigger. Is that a game that needs a remake? No. Why? Because Chrono Trigger is fucking brilliant still, and it is very easy to come into possession of it. 
Would it be neat to see a full Chrono Trigger remake? Absolutely. You know what would be more interesting? Seeing a new Chrono game. Absolutely. There's a weird, like, creative bankruptcy, I guess? Maybe, maybe more of a fear of being like, just the, the risk of being like, okay, we something you, the peop, they know people like is just safer to make than something that's... Yeah. Who knows? I, I, I get why these things happen. Yeah, they're all safe bets without wanting to bet on something that's much, much larger. Like, just look at sales of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl compared to actual-ass Pokemon games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, just the Pokemon series in general against yeah. many others out there. Like, the only ones that are going to stack up are Kanto, and that, and you do that every three years! The only other time is when a game would greatly, greatly benefit because it did not reach its full potential. I think that the remake of Crash 1 was incredible for that game. It had so many quality of life features that made it not just better than it could have been, but a great game. And I would argue the insane version of Crash 1 is the best in the trilogy. The PS1 version, easily the worst. I'd throw um, Metroid 2 onto that with AM2R. Yep. Like, not official, sure, but, like, it's easy to see, like, where they found where that game could shine and expanded on upon it significantly. Yes. A game that I think would be great to be remade is Crash Twin Sanity, a game where literally half of the game was cut out on the cutting room floor. Seeing that fleshed out and redone could be done interestingly. And in addition to that... You could just revisit that game and say it's Twin Sanity 2. It's the game, but we finished it. Like, it's very easy to make the meta comparison there. Absolutely. Uh, an example I've talked about a lot, Age of Empires 2. Um, that, remaking that game allowed it to essentially get a second life by just re-kickstarting the expansion cycle of it. Like, remakes can heavily benefit a game. It's, it's just a matter of... Uh, one of the examples Justin uses is Return to Dreamland DX. How do you feel about that one? Um, see, it's weird when you go for games that are you want remade from Nintendo because they're intentionally difficult to get. Like, do I think that Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door needs a remake? Absolutely not. That game is still fantastic. Most that yes. you need is to upres it. Is it impossible to get at this moment because it won't be re-released and there is no good way of accessing it? Yes. That's more of a thing about Virtual Console, though, and just Nintendo's backwards compatibility. It's hard to say, like, a do or do not with remakes remasters because it's not really that binary. Right. Like, every game is in its own unique situation, its own unique world that you have to take pros and cons from. I'm just saying that's why I feel with Kirby. Does it need a remake? No, not at all. It's Kirby. It's it's always going to be good. Does it need a remake because the game is trapped on the Wii? Yes. I, I know this is kind of just a tangent now, but on the topic of remakes, so what, what? how do you feel about when people say, like, we need a Melee remake or something like that? How does that fall into that? Uh, why? Like, isn't the point of Melee the fact that people love the system that it was made on? If, you, if you're changing... The 20-year history of the game that people are celebrating, sure, yeah, go go ahead, do a, do a remake of it. One of the big issues with several versions of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was that they patched out glitches in later versions of it 
but those glitches were integral to the tournament scene and let you do cool shit. So those versions with the patched out glitches were instantly outdated. If you're going to do the same thing to Melee, you're not going to change the course of a river that's been flowing for 20 years. They're just going to keep playing the GameCube disc. Just give me the game and add netcode. That's it. Fans have done it. I, I agree completely. Uh, to actually answer, I never actually answered the question of what deserves to be remade. I, I apologize for opening the wound, but I feel like Warcraft 3 deserves an actual proper remake. At this point, it's necessary? Yeah, because like, you need to save what they fucked up. When you smothered the first child for the first child's clone, and the clone is an awful automaton? Yeah. No, no, do over. And, like, I would throw Rayman 3 in that mix, too. Because, for one, it needs better audio balancing. The, like, that, the fact that that game doesn't have subtitles with how hard it is to hear dialogue astounds me. Especially how funny the dialogue is. Mm -hmm. But also because that game could be beautiful with higher graphics. I could say that about the entire Rayman franchise. Just lean into how dreamlike those games are. Like, in terms of, like, graphical upgrades, that's, one, that's probably the top one for me. I, I think I'm at this point. Do I think that Sonic Adventure needs a remake? No. I think that game is fine as is. It is plenty accessible, and there are so many modding tools for it that you can make it as accessible as you need it to be. Like, it is fine. If we could figure out how to get the Dreamcast version instead of DX, that would be great. But that game does not need to be remade. We do not need to revisit that adventure. It is still strong and pure enough as it is. Would I like to see a remake of Shadow the Hedgehog? Yes. <laughs> 100%. Would I like to see a remake of Sonic 2006? All oh, more than you can imagine. That Do I need to see a remake of Sonic Adventure 2, my favorite Sonic game? Absolutely not. I'd also like to throw out, could we get, to, like, how about you mentioned for the Crash comparison with 1 through 3 versus 4? Mm -hmm. Could we please start getting those, like, remastered trilogies after the sequel? Like, again, I'd love a rema Rayman, like, just re remaster or remake, but don't do that before 4. Yes. Do it after. Agreed. You'll get the same amount of sales. Definitely. Also, if you remake a perfect game like Crash Team Racing, good, do it. You just added Nitro Kart into it, and then you added more content into it, so you basically made a second separate game on top of your Crash Team Racing remake? That was a good idea. No one else should do that, that's a huge waste of resources. But for that one game, that was really great. I, I do love expansion remakes like yes. that. Yes. That that's just fun. Yes. Uh, all right, let's grab... This was Metal odd. Gear Solid 4, remake that one. It's stuck <laughs> on the PS3. <laughs> Remasters for at least... I I'd love to be able to play any of those games easier. Yeah. I've got a comment from... Uh, okay, give me a second with this name. Um, Adin Dravel. Dravi? Adin Dravi, it's probably that. That flows off the tongue. What video game franchise would work well as a cooking game? Sorry, did you say a crooking game? Cooking. Sorry, I, the R slipped out there. I'm not sure why. Cooking. Well, ah, as in well, food. Let me tell you about Sly Cooper. 
if you want to answer as a cooking as a cooking game, I would also love to hear the answer for that. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, playing as Flintheart Glomgold in a Ducktales game, I think that would be great. <laughs> um, but as for a cooking game, any video game franchise? Any. My answer is Monster Hunter. I feel like going out into the world and gathering ingredients, just with how good Monster Hunter's wit at, and how good the food looks in Monster Hunter as well. That's a huge part of how good these are supposed to be. Um, Dragon Quest. I yeah, think I that would just be super silly, and the food would talk to you. No, wait, Banjo! And all oh, the food has yes. googly eyes, and it talks to you? <laughs> and there are morbid jokes about death all over the place? And then you have to run out and collect more things in a platformer? That point's just a Banjo game? No, that's the answer. No, yeah, I, I'm feeling that, I'm feeling that. You're playing as Gruntilda, trying to come up with potions and different things to feed people. It's just stereotypical witch with the apple. That's just mumbo-jumbo perfect... at his barbecue. <laughs> it could be like a it'd be like a cook-off kind of thing between the two exactly. of them. Exactly! Yes! Ah, yes, Banjo-Kazooie cook-off! I feel like there's so many other options that we get throughout there, but I'm happy with those two options. Yeah, no, this one's perfect. I'm not going to come up with anything better. Uh, from... Agent Happy Potato returning. Uh, what Mario character would you like to see get their own spin-off game series along the lines of Wario Land, Luigi's Mansion, or Captain Toad? Ooh. Examples they give are Mario Paint sequel but starring Bowser Jr. with his paintbrush, Tomb Raider but Daisy. I feel like the cop-out answer is Waluigi anything, so I'm not going to go with that. Yeah. I, I, I feel like another cop-out answer for me is just King Boo Haunted Housemaker, but that's just You know what's Master. hilarious? That they also throw that as yeah. well. Yeah, you should you should play Ghostmaster, dude. It's just that. But, like, probably more... Oh, gosh. Reminds me of the Deception games where you're, like, the son of the... Or the daughter of the devil and just set up traps for adventurers. Mm-hmm. That was a fun series. There's so many Mario characters that kind of gives you decision paralysis trying to... Yeah, and just trying to figure out which one would Nailed be most fun, because, like, I could say, oh, yeah, Charge and Chuck would be fun. At what, sports? Yeah. Yeah. I want a Stardew Valley game of Petey Piranha tending for other piranha plants. Oh, that'd be cute. Oh, I yeah. like that. Or just give Bowser his own game. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Bowser, for the character moments, you can do that with anything. I just want more Bowser. It's it's Bowser, but like Sims with his kids. It's just a dad mm. simulator. Oh. I could see a good simple management game with Peach. Yeah, I can see that. I think that that would be just a nice little market for her to do. Not just of managing like farms and whatnot and keeping the toads happy. Of managing keeping Bowser away with various fortifications <laughs> to distract him. Like, literally, Bowser is coming. Create golf tournament. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that. Rent Rainbow Road. Send Mario these specific power-ups for these specific worlds. Oh, yeah, you're just playing as Peach, like, during Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And, like, you, you occasionally send him one-ups, but throughout the rest of that time, he's also just macromanaging her entire kingdom while she's kidnapped. Yes, and it's just keeping everyone happy. Maximum yeah. happiness. Occasionally babysitting the Koopa, Koopalings as well. Mm-hmm. Because why not? That'd be funny. Yeah, I'm feeling that. Yeah. Peach doesn't have enough. Let her, let her have something that yeah, isn't Super absolutely. Princess. 
Uh, let's do one more. Uh, from Banjo. What is your parameter of why and when a game is considered retro? Uh, I think that retro is a stupid concept, and we need to divide gaming by eras instead of saying retro. I'd agree with that, yeah. It doesn't really have a meaning anymore. Imagine if we just called books old, or if you just said, oh yes, these are all the old movies and all the current movies, and the old movie is anything made before 2010. You're missing out on so much legacy, so much genre, that we just toss into the blanket umbrella of retro. And we all, we all understand, like, oh yes, this is modeled after the 16-bit console generation, most specifically the spriting style used in games like Final Fantasy VI. Like, we understand that at a glance, but we call it retro. I, I, I could keep the term if it's solely applied to, like, just arcade era. That's always what my brain jumps to when I hear just the term on its own. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Pac-Man. Sure. Yeah. But, like... Just 10 years ago, video games weren't calling Super Mario 64 Metal Gear Solid style polygons retro. They were calling them ugly. (laughs) Now Melee is retro. That feels weird. I don't have a cutoff because I don't use the word. I only use it as a term of if it is a retro throwback to a thing that was in the past. Is The Last of Us Part 1 a retro throwback? Technically. (laughs) Yeah, technically. Every port of Skyrim becomes a retro of the one that comes afterwards. Would you call Take an Arrow to the Knee a retro joke? You sure should. I don't know, because like, I had this issue when I was thinking of games that released in 2007. I thought, oh... Assassin's Creed is about 15 years old? That makes sense. Mario Galaxy is about 15 years old? No, no, Rosalina's a newer character than that. Portal is about 15 years old? What do you mean? The cake is a lie has been dead forever. Like, the passage of time in games is so, so screwed. Especially because of how rapid advancements in technology were for its first 30 years, and then how that slowed to a crawl in the past 10 or so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As well as how my, how just how often series are released. Yeah. Yeah, the comparison of Assassin's Creed to Mario Galaxy, well, a lot more Assassin's Creed's got released, so it feels like it's, you, you feel that passage of time more because you're constantly seeing it grow and evolve, but Galaxy's just like, what, three games ago of mainline games? Something like that? Uh, do you count Galaxy 2? Not really. Yeah, that depends. Like, do you count 3D Land as mainline? Uh, yeah, but, like, illustrating the point. Like, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Do you count New Soup U as mainline? No. <laughs> not at all. Why not? It has Super Mario Brothers in the title. It's just, it's it's an expansion at best. Not a very good one. It's a whole new game. <laughs> well, not a very ambitious one, I guess. It's fine. It functions. Super Mario World is an expansion of Super Mario Bros. 3 at best. Yeah, that's fair. But like, even then, you, you feel that progression of 2D Mario more compared to 3D Mario. For that, for similar reasons. I don't know. Retro's a weird term that gets misused constantly because it doesn't mean anything. It's yeah, like we classic. Don't, yeah, we don't need what is to... It, what is classic? <sighs> well, apparently, it is the four-button setup as used on the Super Nintendo Entertainment Controller as defined by Nintendo's classic controller, Released in 2006. Oh, you know what? That 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 solves everything. Yeah. Retro arcade. That 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 solves that as well. 
Do you know I beat DKC2 on a GameCube controller? I, I did as well, because my Joy-Cons kept drifting. I couldn't swap, remember? Oh, that's right. Oh, damn, the claw. Oh, no. Oh. I've played Monster Hunter on handhelds before. The claw is nothing. I have bent my hand back and forth for these games. Nah, dude, my wrist is screwed. Hashtag DDG comment. Leave it down below. See what happens. It'll be neat. Please actually leave a comment or question with that. Yes, the engagement is helpful, and we like hearing from you. Even if we don't respond, it's just nice being like, oh, hey, that person watches this. That feels good. Yes, I don't need a deep video game discussion. You can ask me what my favorite burger is, and I will be happy all the same. It has to have bacon on it. I don't really care past that point. Bacon just makes me happy. What, dude? Oh, we are not the same. (laughs) Tune in next time to find out what Pierre's favorite burger is by asking in the comments. Exactly! We'll wrap this up here. Thank you all for watching, and thank you for your patience as for for our respective content droughts as we prepared for the monument that's about to happen this month. Yep. Be sure to check us out on Spotify if you use the platform, because that's fun. Uh, traditional YouTube stuff, the comments, the likes, whatever. It's annoying, but it helps. And, uh, welcome to Donkey Kong December. We hope you enjoy your stay. Congo Bongo Island, we stand brave and true. That's it.